Danny, you having a laugh? I'm not actually, and that's why after you know after about 25 or 30 episodes or whatever it is in five years, you know I'm, this is going to be the last episode of the Word and Blog Office and Extras podcast. I don't get it. <laughs> I just think you know after five years and doing every episode, you know that's enough. That should be enough for anyone. Danny, why are you stopping the show? Well, you know I want to do more stuff. I don't want to spend the rest of my life just doing, you know, a silly little quiz for morons and, and shouting out quotes and catchphrases. You know, I want to do more stuff. I want to move on with my life. So, you know. That's it, is it? Yeah, that's it. My, my podcast. If I don't want to do it, that's it. It's gone. Your podcast? We're four of us in this podcast, Danny. It's the arrogance. Oh, oh. So, you know, you're, you're the big I am. You know, you, you loved it. You, I was all beholden to you. Now the suit's on the other foot. You don't like it. No, actually, I don't. It's the unprofessionalism, Danny. It's the arrogance of it. For you to just storm in here and decide you're not doing it anymore after five years of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Right, and you've got loads on, have you? Oh, you, yeah. Yeah? yeah. Joe, Joe Rogan on the phone, is he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't worry about me. Phone won't stop ringing. Good. Well, good luck. You've burned your bridges with Burn and Blog. Oh, okay. Life's cruel. <laughs> yes, it certainly can be. <laughs> Burn and Blog. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the long-awaited Extras Christmas special of the Wern and Blog podcast. <clears throat> My name's James, and with me, he's been helping Annie Lennox, he's been helping Annie Lennox fly tip in a fridge freezer, it's Jack. Merry Christmas, everyone! <laughs> <laughs> and he makes a nest in a tree every night before he goes to sleep and he never complains. It's Seth. You publicity-hungry, failed podcasting fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note is the return of the catchphrase shouting wig-wearing wannabe, Danny. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's the top catchphrase in the UK, yeah? <laughs> uh, actually, the office catchphrase is only number two in the UK now. Oh, well, they want catchphrases, they'll give them more catchphrases. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, wow, what a break um, we've had. Welcome back everybody, um, we're here finally ready to talk about the Christmas special. It's been a while. It has been a while. Well, yeah, when did we last t- release the last Sorry, one? Sorry, I've got it here. We last released it in, I think, July 2022, and the weird thing is we started recording extras in, well... 20, 2019, so four years, four years ago, <laughs> which is double the time it take, took for them to actually write and release the show. They only they did both series and the Christmas special in two years, and it's taken us fucking four years. Did they have a, did they have a <laughs> lockdown and everything? Well, the maybe not. That's true. Yeah. And also, 20, that was the hottest day ever when we recorded it, but it's been so long that record's actually been beaten again since. <laughs> How do you remember it was the hottest day? Don't even like 20, July 2019 was the hottest day ever. My, uh, my then, fish over and then we beat it yeah. by a degree and a half. Danny's got a thing, a bit of a weird thing with weather. He does have, as you told him, he, so Danny does this like fantasy football thing for weather. Yeah. <laughs> he has to like with I a bunch of other like I predict the average temperature for each with a bunch of other ones. Well, there's only about thirty people in the whole country that do this. Thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, it's... yeah, it used to be more, but you know the good ones didn't want to do it. Have <laughs> <laughs> to get lucky luckies for some of them. Yeah. So... <laughs> Bunch of saddles. You know, don't, don't slag it off when we, you know, when we successfully model out the client. I mean, so as far as the episode is concerned, I'm trying to pull us back on. Yeah. So we've obviously had lots and lots of guest stars, and, and throughout the series, they've all been one guest star roughly per episode. We might have had a couple every now and then, but this is a big, big show front. You know, of all of the cast, all of the great the, uh, characters that we've brought in throughout the series. Um, some new ones, some old favourites. 
Uh, does anybody stand out as part of uh, this episode as a special performance? I mean, I guess Clive Owen is the like, he, he's the big star from what I remember, right? There's not a bigger star in it than Clive um, Owen. George Michael, maybe? George Michael. Oh, George Michael, yeah, yeah, George Michael yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe Gordon Ramsay. I mean, he's the standout worst performance. Yeah. His kind of stunted, weird kind of... Who, Gordon Ramsay? Yeah, Gordon Ramsay. Oh, I love that. No, I it's, it's, that it's funny because it's so bad. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah, yeah. James, that's true James, just loves it. James just like worships Gordon Ramsay a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so he's, he's going to have a slightly biased view of it. One thing I'll actually say, I hadn't thought about it until now, but one thing I'll actually say in... in uh, this episode's credit is that it kind of doesn't try and go even though it's the big finale you know it's going to be on HBO and all that kind of stuff it's, the show's won Emmys and all that kind of stuff it doesn't try and go American at all really yeah. I mean if, if Clive Owen and George Michael are your biggest stars for the American market and they're both like very English yeah yeah, yeah. That's true. and then it's Hale and Payson and, and, and June Sarpong and... that's really true it is quite yeah you're right it's not, it's not they could really, have pulled out all the stuff they're not they reaching for that market yeah. are they almost yeah, yeah, yeah they, they, they've kept it homegrown they've kept it yeah. rooted in, in an English kind of thing yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah, as, I, as I've said before like the celebrity at this point in extras the celebrity is no longer king it's about Andy Millman mm. essentially well that's the thing yeah yeah. I think, I think they, they kind of went all out with the sort of maximalist philosophy that Extras has versus the minimalist philosophy of The Office, which is just one camera, one office. Mm. It's kind of like more is more, just pump in more celebrities, more cameos, have yeah. money on the bench, they have want... Gordon Ramsay randomly pop up. It's this sort of meta-awareness, I guess, because they're kind of taking the mickey out of TV shows that do that with When the Whistle Blows, but then they kind of do it themselves, you know. So, yeah, so. I think it's also because it's kind of earned that in, in the tone of the show that we've been yeah. watching so far. Like, it's not outrageous or even worthy of considering how that's happened that Bunny's just sat on the bench and just like, like, yeah, well, this is the thing, that, 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 that's the most like, what are you doing here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is, but it's doing a bench in So you get away with it because it's just, it's really kind of comforting because that's where we've been with these characters. And I like that extras can do that because the office just couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, extras, they can do something just to be funny. Like just, let's just put Bunny on the bench. That's just a really funny scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just for nothing more than laughs. <laughs> there is something quite nice about that after this sort of kind of, down-to-earth sort of cynical approach of the office it's mm. quite nice to see things that are just being done for laughs yeah 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 i mean the office christmas special was wrapped you know the most perfect bow on a series oh, that i've ever seen incredible. but obviously this one doesn't necessarily compare directly to it but how do you think this one wraps up extras as a as a package i mean i, th I think it's um obviously you basically spend the way the way it's paced is a bit odd because you basically spend three quarters of the episode absolutely hating andy milburn building up to an absolute crescendo and then at the end he just gets the little redemption arc yes. and it's through a big brother and I kind of think perhaps that's a comment on the way like you know real celebrities quite often get their redemption arc on big brother mm. so it's almost, it's almost like you're watching Andy Millman go through that same process but of course it's different because you actually know him through the show but yeah I remember watching it and just my blood just boiling like I hate Andy Millman I hate Andy Millman what they're doing what they're <laughs> doing and then suddenly it gets to the end and it's like ah that was the plan what and you don't kind of, you don't think he deserved it kind of thing because they made him so <clears throat> unlikable so I, th I, I, th I think possibly they made, they overdid the unlikableness and it seemed yeah. quite abrupt as well like it seemed quite an abrupt change from sort of series two he's becoming quite unlikable like with the obviously the play and everything the Ian McKellen episode <laughs> Uh, where I have like no sympathy for him at all, but then this this one, it just he takes it to a new extreme. Well, he kind of he kind of swings back and forth throughout that throughout series two. Yeah, unlikable, slightly more likable, down to earth, arrogant, and I suppose that's his split, isn't it? Is his mm. split in his personality? I, I did feel that he suddenly gets really unlikable in this episode, and I wondered if how kind of tethered that is to um, Greg's meteoric rise, because mm. like the higher and more popular <coughs> Greg gets, like because they're they're tethered on a you know. 
tethered to each yeah. other, the, the, the more bitter and angry Andy's going to yeah, get, and, you that. know, he's going to get dragged into it as, as quickly as Dreg's, Greg's, uh, Dreg's getting dragged up. I think there's like a his in his embitterment is crystallized throughout the show. The more he hates himself and his situation, the more he starts taking it out on others. Right? Mm. You see Greg getting really famous and going up and up and up and working with Clive, Clive Owen. Clive Owen. Owen. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Clive Warren? And, and then, sudden, and then suddenly, uh, suddenly um, Millman's <laughs> hating this? himself so much that he starts taking it out on extras and, and, and you know, being a right dick, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which it's I think I, I really like that moment. When, I mean, we'll get yeah. to it later when we talk about the actual episode, but I really like that, that bit. I mean, the whole episode is kind of a microcosm of the show, the whole yeah, series, series itself. Two, yeah, but, yeah but, but I mean, the entire series, they kind of, they use it as an excuse to kind of like, Relitigate the Andy's arc of like you know mm. kind of completely kind of becoming arrogant and like bottom of the barrel kind of thing and then kind of getting his redemption at the end. I mean, Greg Greg really does cast a very long shadow over this episode right from the beginning. Like yeah. when he's on, in the shop and he sees Greg on like all those yeah. TVs. Yeah, yeah, love that. Bit. I, <laughs> I do love the whole the whole thing with Greg. Like and, it, and it's so kind of like unrealistic that all of a sudden he would just be like this massive star on a par with Clive Owen getting his own. Yeah. What I guess the Byron sequel is like. I imagine it being his. It's a spin off for his character. Yeah, yeah. Right. But and it's so unrealistic and like ridiculous. But it kind of. I it, it's it's such a funny little moment. It's a nice little because he does and he, then again like we said in series two greg doesn't get his comeuppance like he just keeps going no he doesn't it's like at, at no point does he kind of like have any kind of fall he doesn't look we don't see him looking well, actually do we no i don't think we do we don't no, see him at the end of the press yeah. conference looking jealously at andy like oh everyone loves him now it's just like he's gone to hollywood he's getting his sequel he's mucking oh, yeah. about i mean he Clive Owen. doesn't deserve a come down really he's not done he's anything not done that bad yeah, well, exactly. don't forget <laughs> andy's but the no, one that's a bit of prick to him or well, andy just like brent with neil always starts it with 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 yeah yeah, with yeah, yeah. you know crumbs from the table as soon as he gets his sitcom the first thing he tries to do is be a prick so yeah. greg actually is doing nothing wrong i don't think he's just you know succeeding doing his best and He's yeah. just privileged, and Andy's got a massive chip on his shoulder. I yeah, think and about things like his parents buying him a house and stuff like that. He's just yeah. some people are just like that in life, and I think you've just got to, ultimately, unless you want to drive yourself absolutely mental, you've just got to learn to just. But I also that that's think the way life is. I also think that Greg in the show is supposed to be just more talented than Andy. He's yeah. supposed to actually be yeah. a legitimately good actor. Otherwise, mm. otherwise he wouldn't be in this in this um, yeah, yeah, film yeah. With, with with Clive Owen. But he is he's, annoying. Yeah, all he is is a, is smug. But I think we're used to seeing an arc where the smug guy finally gets his come up. Yeah, I mean, especially after, after the office Neil. where like and, yeah. yeah, and it was so nicely tied up and like everyone everyone got their moment and and it was so kind of cathartic and like satisfying <laughs> for the audience to see you know the baddies had their come up and the goodies yeah. as 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 much as they are kind of had their had their moments to to shine. But in this. Like obviously, it's literally it's so focused on Andy's kind of fall and then rise again. Redemption, that yeah. kind of, I mean, like the agent doesn't really go. Darren Lamb and Barry don't really get a little button on the end of the episode, do they? No, we see Maggie the, obviously. It's, it's Andy and Maggie. That's what the entire episode's about. All we're left with, merchant, um, the agent and and Barry is that they like working in car phone warehouses. They're suited. <laughs> no, to it. this is yeah, exactly yeah. it. This is, is exactly a shot it. of them like crying watching the TV when yeah, Andy's yeah, talking yeah. to Maggie and thinking. It's yeah, about so yeah, we do get that. But, I think uh, it, it yeah. ties up Andy and Maggie's story very well. Yeah, that yeah. part it really ties up. I mean, it's not really the oh, well, well, exit. We don't, you know, we can we can sit. Here, well, we, we, we could have we could have a whole episode just about. <laughs> well, maybe we'll at the well, end. We can sit here and analyse that. <laughs> 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 we can do a whole bloody podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, we can do... but extras, as we've said 
ever. That's, this is why we've taken four years to record it. It's not a show. <laughs> it's not a show that kind of requires as much analysis as The Office. It's not a show that really so needed. Sure didn't even. That's, re- a, that's the reason we'd spend less time to it, though. It didn't even really. <laughs> you should have got hit faster. <laughs> it didn't even really need a, a, a finale episode. Really, like, it could have just ended when series. Yes, I mean, bit. and that would have even given Andy, like, that gave Andy a little bit of hopefulness. Like, he met Robert De Niro, who knows what's going to happen next. But, uh, you yeah. know from now that nothing happened. He, well, <laughs> he just carried on doing when the whistle blows. But it's so, there's not really scope for um, big emotional cathartic moments and kind of like characters getting their little moments. Like, they obviously kind of, I imagine they went into this episode thinking, right, okay, well, we want to make a Christmas special, we want to make a, like, a, a finale episode. What's it going to be about? Whereas they would have gone into the office thinking like, well, we can clearly do this and this and this and this. Yeah, the cathartic moments in the office kind of happened around Brent and, you know, maybe telling Vinci to fuck off was one of those for him. But Andy's speech at the end of this is quite a kind of monumental moment and it does sort of wrap up and, you know, put down on in, in words, you know, the, the, the message they're trying to make and actually quite a good commentary on the, um, the celebrity at the time. Obviously, we've moved on a little bit nowadays with, so with um, uh, reality TV shows and stuff, but at the time, that was really kind of poignant. I remember kind of yeah. goosebumps when he did that speech at the end and he, was, he hit the nail on the head. And I can't remember if it was before or after the Barrymore fight night thing on Big Brother. Do you remember that? With Michael I Barrymore do. and George Galloway and those guys? There was like, that, that was, that was January 2006, that? that was. So I think that was before this. <laughs> but, yeah. but that was really similar because it was like, yeah. you know, Michael Barrymore stood up and basically did the same sort of thing oh, about the, the pathetic fight that was going on pull and me, the bullying and me, the bullshit. And, pull me another. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pathetic. If I was sat at home watching this, I'd say it's pathetic. Bunch of celebs handing it to people on a plate behaving like celebs. So I hate the word celeb. So-called celebs. So-called celebs, exactly. I hate the word celebrity. It's a word bandied about used for anybody who just wants to get the name celebrity because they're a bit more known than the bloke next door. You honestly think anybody out there cares? It's funny, if it is is after that, then, I mean, it seemed remarkably similar. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of people. people was it pre or post that? Uh, it's, it's definitely. It was after that. Yeah, 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 two thousand six. That was so. It how definitely do you remember? That? Again, how do you remember? I, that? I just remember. That. <laughs> I'm just going to gloss over that Danny knows exactly. <laughs> what I, I just remember that's that's literally the only series of Stubby Big Brother I've ever actually watched. The one with Pete Burns and Preston yeah, and Shell and because you love George Galloway. Chantel. Was, I, I just yeah. randomly watched it. You know, George Galloway comes in. Michael Bayamore comes in. I thought, oh, this is going to be good. That was the series, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it yeah, garnered yeah. a lot of controversy and a lot of moments, and I suppose it'd be interesting to know. Can we find out whether they were and drawing Jim, from? Jimmy Savile made an appearance on it. Oh, well, good, yeah. He did. He popped into <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. And everyone was talking. Yeah, to raise morale. To raise morale. And everyone was talking about what a legend he was. Yeah. God, oh man. Yeah, that was hate, bro. It's like he was still alive. I was watching the, you know, show me the way to Amarillo video, and he's in that as well. Just oh, like, is he? Yeah. Now. He's yeah. been digitally edited out of the more. Is he actually? Moments. Yeah. <laughs> How are we on to Savile? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was on the telly recently. It was Steve Coogan. But anyway, that's another one. We're not doing a podcast about Jimmy Savile. No, certainly uh, not. Yet. Next year. Next year. We're breaking it. Next year. Yeah, next year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's this space? <laughs> you bloody get on with it, ignorant. Basically, the entire episode is just so that we can kind of wrap up like, because obviously Extras is all about Andy Milman, starts off as an extra, desperately famous. Episode, series two, he becomes famous. And then in this, I guess, kind of the, the way to wrap up that is 
he rather he doesn't want to be famous. He stops he stops chasing fame. Yeah. That we kind of I suppose did need to see that in extras mm-hmm. for it to be a rounded kind of to, for it to come full circle, which which we would not have if it had ended just at the last episode of series two. If it ended last episode of series two, we would have thought, oh, maybe he's actually going to get that fame he wants, yeah, yeah. which not... would have been which would might have been a satisfying ending, but. Like, I suppose it's more satisfying to see that he's actually decided he actually doesn't want fame full stop. Yes. But what, what, to drive away from it. But I, I wondered that when he when he left, what has he actually decided? Has he decided to go back to being a bank manager or what has he decided? I don't know if he's decided to go back to being a bank manager. I'm sure he'll want to still, because he's obviously got a creative itch he wants to scratch. Whether, or not, whether or not he actually is a creative and this is what we can litigate, whether or not he mm. actually is creative, whether or not he deserves to have that outlet to be creative, because obviously not everyone does. He might, maybe that's just not his avenue and he's just, he's just kind of luckily stumbled into it. Mm-hmm. But I think the character of Andy would kind of want to do something. Maybe he'll be a writer. Maybe he'll, you know, be a kind of a, a cultural commentator. You know, if everyone loves what he said on Big Brother, maybe they'll bring him on yeah. loose, loose women and all that kind of shit <laughs> to, talk, to talk about the cultural issues of the day. Who knows? But like, yeah, I think he wouldn't just go back to being a bank man. I think he would kind of, he obviously feels like he's got some kind of creative urge he wants to um, kind of fulfil. Mm. Yeah. But I get the impression that he has the opportunity to do what you just described and he basically walks away from it by running away from that press conference. Yeah, in that moment. But I think yeah. maybe if he goes on holiday with Maggie, maybe I mean. he'll kind of like kind of have a, have a moment to think about what he wants out of, yeah. out, out of this kind of outlet that he has. That's what I meant. I, you know, what has he decided after that? You know, because I didn't really necessarily take it as he's turning his back on all no, that no, per yeah. se. It was more that he's... He's had enough of all of their, their shit for now. Yeah. Yes. Gonna... Don't forget, we've seen this from Andy before, right? Yeah. He's turned his back and made a principled stand on, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, you know, turning on the fans when he did the David Bowie episode and he went yeah. back to the pub. He's had his revelationary moment. Then again, in the last episode, when he went off to um, called Maggie and they went to see Robert De Niro, he's had these sort of turns where he's sort of seemingly learned his lesson. So I've got no reason to think that he wouldn't next week go straight back into the U turn. He'd probably yeah. regret not going into there as soon as he realizes all the money he lost and then try to scramble to pull it together and no one's interested he no but I think I think him being in Big Brother is kind of his Dante's Inferno, Inferno moment like he's in hell he knows that this is like yeah. this, is, this is where he never wants to be again and and all the fame chasing and like him saying to his his new agent Trey whatever his face is him saying like oh well I want I want fame and fortune then if, it, if it's between respect and dignity or fame and fortune I, I want the fame this and is fortune learning his and that's kind of what's driven him down to being in Celebrity Big Brother and he's like this is literally the worst place I could possibly be in I'm in like the seventh layer of hell right well, m- maybe he, he will return with some sense of dignity yeah Maggie always, always has dignity always because <laughs> yeah. it's interesting Maggie is Maggie represents a, a little bit more dignity than Andy yeah, in, some, yeah. in some aspects because she walks away right she walks away from being basically Clive Owen's prostitute yeah she's you cleaning know. toilets and stuff but yeah. we know that she's got the more dignity she's yeah. one that you know yeah whether or not we'd want to I mean personally I'd rather be dead in that situation yeah. <laughs> do you think he could have climbed out of that without Maggie as inspiration on the outside no I think no. That's, I think that's the whole thing so I, absolutely she's, she's I, yeah. like the, the, yeah, yeah. his lifeline in a way yeah she's his dignity you know much like Greg is like his inner critic mm. you know it makes her more of an important character than we've ever thought. They're all yeah, fractured definitely. parts of his psyche. Maybe that's getting a little bit too philosophical about it. But I, that's how no, I, I don't I think I it is. It. I think I, I think that's uh, maybe whether or not Merchant and Gervais could could like would 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 analyze it that way. Mm. But that's definitely yeah. But he he's the main character, and every character that orbits him is there for a reason to explore they're, a different they're part parts of, of his ego. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. And he's so old though, in this episode as well. Well, yeah, but this is this is the thing. Like we're we're seeing him go down further and further into the depths of just yeah. like celeb. What what a hell celebrity can make. And, and he's pushing he's pushing that dignity away, right? Yeah, he's yeah. literally pushing the character who represents dignity away. You know, by saying to Maggie, 
He goes, F off. You know, well, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. He doesn't know where she lives. <laughs> F, F off. He <laughs> doesn't know where she lives. He doesn't know where she lives. He makes it very clear at the Ivory that she's literally there just to be, so he's not there on his own. Yeah, and then yeah. In, in a couple of scenes before that, when they're on the set, of when the whistle blows, he's saying, like, stop kind of coming over to me. That'll make the other extras think they can come over to me as well. Like, yeah, he's literally harsh, reached yeah. his nadir because mm. he's, he's completely a 180 from what he either was and strove yeah. to be at the beginning of the first episode. And you sort of get the impression that even though we haven't seen this side of him before, he's probably been like this for a while on the set. Yeah, that's exactly, probably That's yeah. probably not the first extra he's said that to. It's just the first time we've seen it. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. It's, it's correlating with his bitterness as well, though. Well, this is, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But at the same time, I can't take him seriously because he's dressed up as Mr. Stokes with his silly... <laughs> and his Spanish shirt. His silly Spanish shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing, it's a Christmas special. You see very little of Christmas in this. I was yes, thinking that. Yes, yeah. definitely. Like That's the what... first scene is basically all that ties it to Christmas. It was yeah, recorded John in the middle of summer as well, by the, by the way. When I mean, all bench, it's just but, but it's like it's blazing it... hot summer's day yeah. on, on, on when they're by the bench. Summer oh, 2007 was a bit of a shocker. All right, Michael Fish. So I think it probably felt like December a lot of the time anyway <laughs> but no yes now that we're now that we're how many years like 15 years maybe even more removed, 16 years 16 years removed from it I don't mind so much and I can just watch it it's like oh this is the extras finale but going, I remember going into it and it being promised a extras Christmas special mm. the fact that it wasn't I, came, I remember finishing it was 27th of December or something I remember when it finished and I turned it off I was like oh that didn't make me feel Christmasy at all the office Christmas special isn't really no 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 but the office Christmas special is Christmas they're in the office dancing to Christmas music there's a Christmas tree there's also, a secret Santa also the office Christmas special is very Christmasy also the office Christmas special is so good that it's become part of the Christmas tradition. Yeah. So it doesn't have to necessarily be overtly Christmassy, if that makes sense. It's like Die Hard. Yeah, it's like Die Hard. Yeah, no, literally. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah, necessarily... Yeah, no, that's true. And also, that. maybe not every single episode, uh, maybe not every single scene feels Christmassy. Like, when he's going on his blind dates, like, you know, kind of, you haven't really got the Christmas spirit. But because it brings it back round to, it's the Christmas party, yeah. it's just full of Christmas songs, you've got the Christmas tree in the background, you know, Tim and Dawn have their kiss. Like... Brent gets his moment. You kind of feel you got that Christmas. Well, it's all spirit building completely. to a Christmas party, isn't yeah, well, it? Exactly. Like, yeah, so this one. So what references are there to Christmas? Well, I was, it's just the beginning. Just the beginning. I was mental. thinking about it earlier when I was watching it. When when it cuts from segues from one scene to another, there's a little kind of Christmassy, that jingly, jingly yeah. sleigh bellsy music, <laughs> yeah. and it felt like they edited that in afterwards. Like, oh shit, there's no so. Christmas in this. We yeah. need to. <laughs> well, there's, there's a Christmas tree in the corner of the room. It's like boiling point. Like the only real, like that set of Christmas. But the only I only noticed that when I was rewatching it recently because there's a Christmas tree. It does seem funny though because they could have yeah. done loads with Christmas. Like you'd have thought, like to, you, you know, one it. character, who, uh, two characters in fact, who would love Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Darren and Barry. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They definitely could have had them kind of like doing the tree in the office. And then kind Buddy of like, comes or... in in a Santa Claus outfit. Yeah. So. <laughs> All you get of them is them them humming a certain Christmas song, which I won't name, so it'll be in the quiz later. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's it. Yeah, the quiz later. <laughs> but I guess maybe. Because obviously it ends in Slavery with Brother and that was obviously their, their thing. They obviously thought like a really yeah. kind of uh, a, a clever kind of satisfying way to end this would be for Andy to, to end up on Slavery with Big Brother. Like mm. that's kind of like the, the natural conclusion well, to his the, the plane chasing. The of the bottom of the, yeah, the, well, exactly. the ladder he's sliding down. But maybe they yeah. thought all oh, but Slavery yeah. Big Brother's not on at Christmas so we can't have it set all at Christmas. But I don't think anyone would have cared. No, like, no one would have even thought about it. But then, if I'm a celebrity, you get me out of here. If that was the case. Oh, yeah, they, they, you know, <laughs> 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 Does a Christmas special actually have to be set at Christmas? 
Or is it just well something that's shown at Christmas? I mean, it's something that they take the piss out of in this. Like, big, um... <laughs> we were on thin ice here, didn't we? Release <laughs> yeah. our uh, extras, our, our first office Christmas special in like January. Yeah, right? we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this no, but... is coming out at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, this Brit- is, yeah, British TV shows, well, especially Britain. <laughs> British TV shows, especially British sitcoms, have a long tradition of doing like kind of just having episodes that these Christmas episodes aren't actually anything to do with Christmas. I'm thinking specifically of One Fit in the Algarve. Anyone yeah. seen that? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Which, well, I don't know why, but my dad, that was, the one, that was the one episode of One Fit in the Grave my dad had taped and we would watch oh, it as yeah. if it was a film. I don't know, me and my it brothers. Is, Never is. seen any other episodes of One Fit in the Grave. But, then, <laughs> yeah, it's, but, but that's actually, like, it's made like a thriller. It's like a nine-minute episode. <laughs> See, I don't even remember that. It's like a nine-minute episode. And I think, yeah, the ending, the, the scene at the end where the fox is in the in the swimming pool and Victor's just stood there with a donkey and the donkey does a poo. <laughs> what? I, mean, I don't remember. Honestly, I know, most... I know I've seen it. I know we had it taped and I remember I, I, can, I can envision the VHS recorded tape of when it says one fit in the Algarve on the yeah, side but, but it's nothing I can't remember anything Christmas. about it. There's There's no, no, it. And, and also it's, it's set in the summer as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. This is the thing and I think a lot of, I think there's a lot of British uh, sitcoms like that. That's why they that's yeah, why they true. suggest doing yeah, when, yeah. when, when the whistleblowers ex- the special in Spain going to Spain yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen an episode in Spain? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, it possibly is a little nod to a one foot in the Algarve. I think no, but I, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head. But I'm pretty sure there has been other, especially back in that 70s, 80s heyday of. Uh, I'm sure there was an Only Fools and Horses one. There must have been, like yeah, that. exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was. It wasn't that they had to be Christmas themed. It was just that they were at Christmas. They were like yeah. a special. They, they'd always take the characters out of their normal context and yeah. put them somewhere else to give it this novelty feel of. Yeah. It's Christmas. Oh, what are they doing in the Algarve? If anything, you know, I yeah, imagine yeah, yeah. the producers were like, "Let's not set it at Christmas." Because people might be sick of Christmas, yeah. Time. But let's just, yeah, let's let's take a let's give them a bit of a bigger budget and take them somewhere else. Like, I mean, it's not a sitcom, but Downton Abbey, the Christmas special of that. So they had a Christmas special for every series. The first one was set at Christmas. After that, it was called like it was called like Summer in the Highlands or something. It's like, well, I don't want to. It's Christmas Day. I don't want to watch Summer in the Highlands. Give me Downton Abbey with a Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, bitter about that. Or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ignore him. So the episode starts with it's almost like a, a, a thriller movie where you start yeah. with like the ending and you cut backwards. So you got Andy and Big Brother and you're like, well, how did he get here? Like yeah. cut to yeah, yeah, cut yeah. back kind of to cinematic, you know, four you know, weeks what, earlier. The idea of that because that's like what a lot of like say thriller films and a lot of TV shows nowadays do. They start with that, mm. but uh, the whole thing has a kind of real a higher budget cinematic kind of opening to it. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, feel yeah. like a TV show. It feels like a bit more of a film. Yeah, and you kind of then know, and then once when it cuts from that back to when when the whistle blows, then filming that, you know then, okay, so he's here now, he's yeah. got his sitcom, but mm-hmm. at some point he's going to end on Celebrity Big Brother. And we all know what that means. That means complete nadir. That means like the worst yeah. thing that any celebrity can imagine for themselves. And he's not just on it, he's like head in hands, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Like, like at his lowest ebb. Yeah, and we've already seen people like um, Lionel Blair and stuff, so we already know who he's, <laughs> who he's in with. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed watching the, the when the whistle blows and I was watching it this morning and I was thinking I hope I wish they'd just carry on with a whole when the whistle blows special I always <laughs> wish they'd just done just as fan service isn't this a bit like people that wish that Itchy and Scratchy had their own show like, I remember <laughs> Matt, Matt Wayne, as soon as Scott said I get thousands of letters every year asking for Itchy and Scratchy to have their own show the people behind them don't want what they're asking for really. <laughs> yeah. I, think I, it's, I think it's the same with this it is, nah. this is like the Itchy and Scratchy show within I do feel like though what we see when the whistle blows in this episode, <laughs> sure. it's, it is actually quite actually genuine. This is the first time I thought when the whistle blows actually looks genuinely funny, yeah. and I feel like maybe oh, I've thought that many times. <laughs> no, I thought it is. No, genuine. but you got the you got the iconic like 
don't suck, blow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a specifically you see that at the beginning of this one. And also, I'm... Mr. Stokes' sister turns up. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Stokes' sister, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of think that maybe where Andy could not give, completely not giving a shit and kind of just trying to like burn the whole thing down. Maybe he was just like, I don't give a fuck, I'm just going to write this and this, and actually maybe he's getting some good material out of it. One thing yeah. that frustrates me about Andy Millman's arrogance and ego and grandiosity about wanting to be better in it, he could have had a whale of a time. Yeah. Uh, he could have just thought, oh, let's just make this show. People like it. It's funny. Let's just make the stupidest jokes. He could have had such a fun life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If he, the if trouble he just... is, it's not the show he wrote. That's the problem. It's just not the. It's not the show that well, he intended yeah, to make. He always make knows what it wrote. could have been. Like he's thinking, like this could have been the office. Imagine if it had been. But like, it that could have been because he's not that talented. Well, no, you're right. exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 This is the problem. Is illusion. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Really great noises though when he's in the back of like, yeah. out I'm sure everyone listening to this oh, has seen yes. it, but the outtakes you can see the video on YouTube. The outtakes at that moment is like genuinely one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen. Like every time I watch it, I can't help but piss myself. Oh, that's good. Baby. Now first, you take a deep breath and blow. Don't suck. Higher. And put your finger <laughs> over the but it's all good set up though, isn't it? It's like, right, yeah, not only has he um, had his wobble with John in the last series, but actually when the whistleblowers are still going strong, we've got people wearing t-shirts with all of the different catchphrases. Yeah, yeah like, they want another really, series, like, really it could well keep going. It, 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 did, we, did we notice something about the, um, the physical attributes of those people sitting there wearing those t-shirts as well? <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, they were all, they were somewhat rotund, were they not? Which <laughs> I think I, rotund. And I don't believe that was a, I don't believe that was an accident, I think that was a deliberate choice. No, we've said this before, Gervais, and especially Gervais, he's got a thing about taking, actually no, and Merchant as well, he's always uh, taking no, that they fat do, yeah. they, They've got a thing about fat, slovenly people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that yeah. completely which, don't want to be like that. It's just which, funny. Yeah, it's just, it is uh, funny. And, 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 it's, and it's like, I guess, <laughs> slovenly. I guess like, yeah, I guess you can kind of forgive him because, you know, he's got a few issues with slipping out of his girdle himself. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 he's, he's, so not, he's like, not against taking the piss out of himself. So, exactly. so it's like, yeah, so I'm having a go at me, so you can't tell me <laughs> off for it, basically. Who was, yeah. who was the, there's, there's t-shirts with his uh, catchphrases. Who was, the, there was another one as well. What, who was the other one? Uh, very, very sorry from uh, Mr. Yakamuji. But there's one that's got nothing to do with when the whistle blows. Oh, Victoria Wood. That's it, yeah. Chico time. No, that's not his, is it? That's uh, the, yeah, that, that's that's, yeah, that's what you yeah, say. That's yeah, what you're yeah, saying. There's other catchphrases. They're not on the t-shirts though. Oh well, there, there's some there's some catchphrases. I can't remember what they are, but there, there's definitely lots there of catchphrases. What's the Victoria Wood one? When the whistle blows. Asda's. Asda, yeah. Is that from Dinner Ladies? Yeah. I don't remember enough of Dinner. I did used to watch it, but I don't remember enough of Dinner Ladies. And again, when the whistle blows, I think it's a bit of a nod to Dinner Ladies. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, the main headline is that Andy's doing really well for himself, even though he didn't. He may not appreciate it. He's doing really well. No, he's hating it, but he is. Yeah. And he's bought a house in Hampstead Heath. Yeah, exactly. So this then cuts straight to a shopping centre. We're still getting kind of the intro music flowing, and we see the Ray Stokes doll, the infamous Ray Stokes doll, ruin the whole <laughs> award ceremony. And it turns out they're not selling that well. But they wouldn't be, would they? After a year, like people get bored of tech like that. <laughs> the shit. problem is you have to pre-order these things. Yeah. <laughs> this is the thing. I think that when the whistle blows, it's obviously got a kind of a core audience that keeps coming back for it. We'll keep it high in the ratings, but like outside of that. No one, no one likes it. Oh, no, the general public thing is it's the same as Mrs. Brown's boys. Yeah, you yeah, ask yeah. Anyone you know, what they think of it? They'll yeah. tell you it's shit, but there's a core audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah someone's, someone's making up those huge room figures. 
I think it's one of those things where people just like won't admit to liking it. <laughs> yeah, the silent they keep, majority. Keep quiet about it. Yeah, exactly. But then, yeah, but it's, it's a silent majority. Yeah. It. yeah, but it's just not enough for people to buy all these dolls. <laughs> so this is a good shout to an American reference point, right? Because there was two versions of this scene, right? Mm. As I understand it, there was the one that we see, which is the Jay Goody doll, which is Shippa Papa Dum Shippa Fakawana, and then there's the Michael Richards one from uh, the Americas. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Kramer. Well, when you guys were saying that, because I, the version I watched on iPlayer, and from the version I always remember it being, to be honest, is that the uh, the guy says, oh, I've bought in a whole a whole stock of Same Difference dolls. Same Difference being, they were actually on X-Factor that year, so they must have recorded this really quickly. But then they would have been on X-Factor, like, like X-Factor starts in September, doesn't it? And they, yeah, they, exactly. this came out in December. So. so, But the one I watched was Scissor Sisters, yeah. which would imply it was the American one. That was, But then... You're, say, you're saying that it was a different doll. Yeah, the, the doll. American one. So, but, but the doll was the same in this one. The doll one. was the same in this one. So, so I've got like a mix of the UK slash American one. Because I don't oh, think yeah, yeah. So you didn't see the Michael Richards doll? No, it yeah. was it was the, sh- it was the uh, Jay Goody doll. Michael Richards it, being Kramer, obviously, from uh, Seinfeld. Yeah, it, was, it was a Michael Richards doll, but with the, um, with, with the Scissor Sisters reference. Yeah. So the timelines have kind of crossed over. I mean, it was, it was both so you saw, hold on, so you saw Michael Richards and Scissor Sisters? No, I saw Jay, Jay Goody, Goody and, and Scissor Sisters. Sisters. <laughs> but it's supposed to be Michael Richards and, and Scissor Sisters. And yeah, you would have thought so, yeah. But so American, so yeah. somehow they've, they've got it twisted, haven't they, yeah. somehow? Yeah. yeah, that's weird. But the Michael Richards yeah. and Jay Goody kind of parallel is quite good, isn't it? Because yeah. they were both in hot water for similar Racism, sort of stuff, yeah. basically, yeah. at the time. Yeah. Yeah, this was the brief period when, like, it was just okay to hate on Jay Goody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was so a little was, period pre... Yeah, so yeah, we're talking post-racism and pre-cancer, where people well, literally, it was, it was open season. People, it on really that, was. Well, I did a bit of diving in. I had to check. So yeah. the, the, this aired in December two thousand seven, and she got an, she got kind of diagnosed with cancer in September two thousand eight. So on like, Big Brother. When she oh, Big Brother. Yeah, no, yeah, I did. Yeah, Indian, Indian Big Brother. Yeah, Indian Big Brother, as to try and get a redemption arc after being raised after the Shilpa Popadom stuff. For year That's before. a fair point. She was trying to get her own redemption. She was trying to get her own Milman style redemption arc, and she Indeed. got it. But in, yeah. in a really horrible but way. But she's also, so, so, but at this point, she would have been exactly what, um, exactly the kind of cautionary tale that Gervais and Merchant were That's trying to, really were, were trying to mm-hmm. kind of explain, which is that she's just a woman who went on to Big Brother and then suddenly she's just a completely normal woman who just found herself like with this amazing amount of fame. She was on TV shows, yeah. she wrote a book. And she you was know, really young. She was well. ridiculously don't know famous, how, like how, so famous. Yeah, how, how... She, she didn't even win it. Well, exactly. Yeah, she didn't even win she it. Wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. That but she, yeah, but she was so famous, like followed around by the tabloids, and she kind of like, I mean, she wasn't just like a kind of a, a tragic woman who was just like, hounded the, her whole life. She kind of like was welcoming it. She, she a, courted it because yeah, it she was the thing it, of exactly, the day. Yeah. She even had a publicist who got her, much like Trey in this is it Trey, yeah, a publicist who basically set up these appearances. Yeah. You know, um, and then obviously then she went on Celebrity Big Brother and then kind of ended up with, in this kind of racism row with Shil Pachetti. Mm. And yeah. that kind of yeah. completely like brought her down. And then so that, so that to, to Gervais and Merchant would have been like, yeah, and that's the, that's what you get. That's kind of, you, you get built up and sort then you of, get, get completely brought down. Bit. Exactly, yeah. If you, keep, yeah. if you keep courting it, then in the end you're, it, it, it's going to get you, basically. Mm-hmm. Which I wouldn't say is the same for Michael Richards. He kind of like was just... I mean, obviously, what he said was pretty bad. I suppose they had to. But find... he wasn't someone who was courting fame and then kind of like he be... had fame from, yeah, from he a had credible fame. source. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. Then, and then it was while he was doing his job, which was a a kind of a comedy routine, and he just said things that were completely inappropriate. And he shouldn't but, have said. <laughs> but I suppose that he was probably the most direct parallel at the time that yeah, they could yeah, yeah. find. It's only know. for the American audience as well. That's someone that is so kind of comfortably in the living rooms of all the Americans. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
But while they're walking around the shopping centre, they happen by, I mean, not just one TV, fucking wall <laughs> of TVs, about 30 TVs, yeah. all watching the trailer or the sort of junket for the new Byron film. Yeah. A film that um, Greg is not a supporting role in, he's one of the leads with Clive Owen. Is he playing Shelley? Is he playing, is it Shelley and Byron, I guess? I can't um, really think, I mean, it doesn't actually exist, this film, so. No, no, no. <laughs> no but the story of Byron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, think he, I think yeah, I think they say he's playing Shelley, yeah. Which I guess is some kind of like, you know, British period drama, probably getting probably getting nominated for awards and stuff. Oh, yeah. I am surprised they didn't kind of drop in a little mention about him getting nominated for an Oscar or something. That would have been a com- that would have been really the kind well, of Well he's number two in America, that film, right? Is there's like yeah, one, yeah. one that's as successful as it gets pretty much. I always yeah. so thought of it as a parallel with kind of like being in Wuthering Heights and because um, who was it who did that? Colin Firth. Oh, yeah, you're going to say Darcy in Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, he's obviously turned yeah, yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a massive BBC period drama. And, and, and it's funny that they use Greg to be this kind of like, he's been talked about as being this handsome swooning. He's got the intensity of Brando kind of thing. And well, it's just fucking Greg. It's Greg. It just, just has it. No, <laughs> this it's, it's little goblin-looking man that's been hounding Milman for two years. In, in a young Russell Crowe or something. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty good little gag he makes. They're more like a young Russell Crowe, aren't they? It's pretty quick-witted of him. But Jonathan Ross likes him. Jonathan Ross is saying, you know, actually, legitimate performance, probably yeah, one of those great, great group performances of the year. So, you know, as successful as Andy may be, Greg is flying at the moment. And yeah, I think the fact that it's well, Wassy as well, like his yeah. old friend and idol doing it, that, that, that yeah, makes it even thing, worse yeah. than It's like, oh my God, you know, he's supposed to love me. Why is he loving Greg? Well, yeah, I wonder if they are still mates. Yeah, that's... Well, they probably are, but, you know, it probably does hurt a bit. <laughs> one thing I was thinking, though, is I, when he was doing his little junket and he's sort of talking to Jonathan Ross and uh, Greg's being quite humble about it and actually doing it as, as you would expect a new actor to do but I wondered how good at that Andy would be whether he would be humble or whether yeah. he would be a bit more entitled but I got a, I got a, always got a shade of kind of forced fake humility from Greg like mm. he was toning it down because he didn't want to appear arrogant oh yeah, inside, yeah inside yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg's always got that smugness about him I mean the actor is perfect I don't know his name but he just has <laughs> a smug face what's his name mm. something oh no I can't remember Pie. he just has a smug face yeah but yeah, he, he, he is, he's so brilliant. I kind of almost, I mean, we get a lot of him in this episode, but I kind of almost wish that we kind of had, like, kind of sought more of that rivalry between yeah. him and Milman because he's such a highlight. Every time he's in it. He has quite one note, though, isn't he? He's always doing the same bit with Andy. Yeah, like, There's yeah, never yeah. any kind of, like, with the very, very first episode, we saw a bit of friendliness between them, but ever since that first yeah, episode, that, I mean, yeah, exactly. all he's been is just the sort of, um, the, 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 the the sharp mirror to Andy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, and what Greg's doing is it shows you that Andy's search for credibility, really, it's just about accolades. It's just about people liking him. You know, it's not actually necessarily about his his uh, him making some great creative piece. It's just about people saying he's great. You know, that's what he's looking for. He's just looking for people to, why aren't I great like him? I mean, that's what we end yeah. up finding out when he's talking to Trey exactly. in, in the restaurant. Yeah. But I think, I mean... But but we knew it anyway, didn't we? We don't need Trey to tell There's us. points that, no, I mean, I mean, anyone, I mean, if I was in Andy's position, if I was doing something shit like When the Whistle Blows, I would look at, like, Greg being in this kind of, like, well-respected period drama with Clive Owen and be thinking, why can't I do that? That could have been me. I've got an in here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah but, but only I'm, because... He wants people to then say, isn't he great? Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. But I do feel like he kind of would be happier in life if he was doing that kind but, of but, thing. But, but I don't know, not, though. I don't, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's true. No, he's not good enough, that's true. I think if, you, like you were saying about what, is, what did Andy necessarily do after, you know, he walks out on the Big Brother thing at the end, I don't think Andy's going to be sitting there like, like humbly and quietly 
writing a book just for himself and a small audience or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 or, like, or like working on a little creative project that's just creativity and he doesn't care if no one ever sees it. Yeah. It's, it's all about adulation. It's all about people clapping and applauding and saying, aren't you great? The creativity that he is, he strives to achieve is, is yeah, is about being liked, I think. Yeah, I think he's, he's still what... Because I think the main issue that's, that Gervais and Merchant and lots of people, especially at that time, seemed to have with kind of these kind of celebrities that were just famous for being famous is that they were... They kind of were desperate for a platform where they could, like, say what they... Spew out their, their opinions, which they thought were so worthy of being listened to. But really, they kind of didn't have anything worthy or of note to say. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I think, I still don't think that Andy has learned that lesson. I think even by yeah. the end of the episode, I imagine that, yeah, he still thinks like, oh, but I still have, you know, I still have something worthy to say. I think yeah. he's still going to want to chase that. Even so. if, like, I don't think he's properly learned the lesson of, like, okay, I'm just going to step back now. I'm not, I'm going to, you know, I'm driving over Maggie and I'm, like, my friendship with Maggie and kind of, you know, the life away from all the fame and stuff is what I need. I think he still is going to feel like, especially after what he says in Big Brother, I think he's still going to, he's still going to be courted by people saying, oh, so Andy, what do you think about this? And he's going to think, yeah, I do have something to say, actually. Yeah. I think Darren's exactly. done enough to prove himself, though, as a potentially an agent that can get the job done when it needs to, right? I mean, he'd get, put him in front of Robert De Niro, got him the meeting. If Andy mm. can't, a bit like Finch with, with, with the girls, if he can't make anything of it, and actually do something with it and the play. Like yeah, you got on the play of McKellen. He got on the play, he got, he got the play so, and, yeah. and Andy proved him is too immature to play a gay character in a play. So and, and he, he does get, and he does get him. He gets him Doctor Who and Hotel Babylon and Celebrity Big Brother, which is what his well, agent later ends up getting him though. Like yeah. what do, he doesn't. Trey doesn't actually offer him anything better than that. Yeah, no, exactly. Because he can't. He can't just. You know what I mean? You can bring a horse. You know, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Well, you yeah, can't, yeah. You can't just force people to cast someone who's just. Well, and actually, he, he he does actually also get him the, the audition for Byron. Yes. It's just that Andy's the one that messes that up. Yeah. And he gets, him, he gets him the Guardian interview and gives him an opportunity to appear credible. And what does he do? He no, that's, no, that's Trey. That. Yeah, Trey, that's what I mean. Oh, yeah, sorry, Trey, no, no, but I'm saying that, that, that Darren Lamb gets him gets him Doctor Who, gets him Hotel Babylon, gets him Celebrity Big Brother, and he gets him the Byron. But he doesn't want to, though, because he say, he actually says to him, look, if I send you, which is actually perfectly valid. Yeah, I'm like some Barry. Sure enough, he does completely embarrass himself. It's true. Well, yeah. Darren knows, doesn't he? He kind of knows, he knows that he... Andy's going to fuck it up, or he knows that he's not good enough to do he's... it. Yeah, but also if Darren, there's a little sidebar here. If Darren, up at this point, so, so when when the whistleblowers has been on what two seasons now, two series, at least. If he, he he's got the biggest comedy star in England, if he hasn't got himself another client by this point, <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's going to bother. He clearly isn't going to try, is he? Yeah, he's like... <laughs> so he's worried about like Andy embarrassing him by going to an audition he's not suitable for. Mm. But like, what what's he? What was that? What would that embarrassment matter if he's not going to try and get other clients? Do you know what I mean? True. <laughs> Does he have, do you have any other clients at all, Darren? No, no I Barry, kind of. Barry, it, it almost makes you feel like there was a missed Barry. opportunity for him to have a new client, and it'll be someone. Yeah, I don't know. There are, there's so many scenes that I feel like they could have had another celebrity cameo coming in, and it's his yeah, next client. They could have had loads more with Darren, and that's just kind of been a through a bit of a, a pattern right. over the last few episodes. Well, I, I thought well, thinking, I thought, thinking I, I, what is his name? Um, that's his client as well. Who? Who? The other guy from EastEnders. Dean Gaffney. Dean Gaffney. Yeah, no, yeah. He, no, yeah, he, he, no, he alludes to, to it because they're in the car phone warehouse and, um, <laughs> and Dean Gaffney just pops up, which I thought was brilliant because Gaffney is a perfect person. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then he says at the end, I need an agent. And then Darren says, why do you need an agent? Because I'm working in the car phone warehouse. And, and they I thought that was a knock on his face as well. I thought brilliant. that was a little nod to kind of like, I'll be your agent. Yeah, and then, and then yeah. Darren Lamb mismanages Dean Gaffney. Yeah. <laughs> but 
they could have had one scene where they could have shoved in another um, celebrity cameo of like, yeah, this is like this is Darren's second second client. No, I thought that that Gaff- Gaffney kind of covered that, and, and then I even had a little subplot in my mind mapped out where where Lamb was trying to manage Gaffney's career from Carphone Warehouse while working with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Gaffney was maybe like higher up the chain than him, and they kept arguing about he was trying to get him going gigs, but then he was trying to manage him in the Carphone Warehouse or something like that. <laughs> I mean, you could have done that could be a whole other sitcom. It was a little spin-off in my yeah, head because yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed their interactions in the Carphone Warehouse. I thought they were really funny. Well, this is what Gervais Merchant have always been good at, isn't it? And it happens in ex- in offices. Well, where you go like, oh, that kind of person could have had a spin-off, that person could have had a spin-off, yeah. and they're only in it for one scene, like Brent's new agent in the Christmas specials. Like they're good at like in one scene, kind of creating a whole character, and like you can you can imagine their past, you can imagine what they're gonna do yeah. after that. They've got their you've got their little kind of their, their gimmick that they're bringing mm-hmm. to the scene. Yeah. It's fun to think about opportunity, like all the little extra scenes that we would love to write for them as well, like yeah. Darren and Matt, uh, sorry, Darren and Barry. I think we were talking in the last episode about seeing them try to scramble to find and track down um, Robert De Niro. Yeah, you know, yeah that yeah. would have been a great little sketch. The, yeah. the, the, you could easily do it, just a funny, like irreverent, you know, light-hearted series of just Darren, Barry, and Gaffney. Mm-hmm. Like it would be fucking brilliant. Maybe we could get Steve Merchant. Could we convince him to do a film just like David Brent did the David Brent film? Yeah, Rick yeah, he should. Yeah, do the Darren Lamb film. film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lamb film. Yeah, on the Lamb or something. Which I'm sure will be better. But he's starting to sound a bit like the same league as uh, having a standalone when the whistle blows. What you're asking for? No, I would don't. Okay, I'm going to put this out there right now. I would much rather have a Darren Lamb spin-off than a when the whistle blows solo episode. Agree. Okay, so we bounce straight into a When the Whistle Blows set and um, Andy's backstage and Maggie gets called in after seeing some horrendous fingering of some sandwiches. Ah. Gets called in by Kerry Godleyman yeah. from Derek and Afterlife. So obviously uh, kind of Gervais is kind of finds, finds his people and kind of like stays with Sticks them with to yeah. an extent. Yeah. Um, Andy and Maggie have quite a nice little dynamic here in this scene, I think. It's a bit reminiscent of some of the early series stuff where they're having a yeah. laugh and it's a bit, I guess purposely so that you have a contrast later on when he turns mm-hmm. nasty but you know she's trying to squeeze <coughs> yeah. him in and yeah it's, it's quite fun yeah that's what I mean like, the, the whole episode is like it's almost like if you hadn't watched extras before you could just watch this and you would get the yeah. entire arc like yeah. except for obviously before he was famous but you kind of you, you, you get their little interactions, you get their, oh, would you rather this or that? You mm. get them having fun, but then, and then you kind of see them. So basically they're kind of re-going over what happened in series two. Like they've already had the, the, the fallout where, where um, Maggie's like, oh, you know, you're letting this pain get your head, you know, you're, you're, you're miserable, like it's, it's never going to be enough for you. She, she says that in series two, but yeah. then they, have, they redo it again for the benefit of this episode so they can kind of do the entire arc again. Re- re-establish it. Yeah, exactly. I, I do genuinely think, I was saying this to James earlier, I do genuinely think if, Someone had watched series one of Extras and they said, I don't know if I could be bothered to watch a whole se- second series of it. I'd just say, just watch the Christmas special because yeah. that's basically it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all in there. Is it yeah. a bit lazy though, just to kind of rehash the same point? I mean, a little bit. It, it is... I mean, this is the problem with Extras. It kind of is just like, it's a lot, it's, it's very repetitive. It's funny, but like if you watch it in a kind of like a, you know, in a, in a compressed time frame think, and you analyze it like we have I wonder if they like just, you realize how repetitive it is. I wonder if they just blew it early. Like if, because episode six of the of second series literally does this. Pretty much most of the, yeah, the, the yeah, returns yeah. in this this special. Maybe it feels it's, a bit repetitive because it, it's happened it's, there. If they just maybe held their powder dry for a, a little bit longer, this would have been a bit more of a explosive. It's episode. almost like an extended version of that last episode of series yeah, two exactly. would have been a better kind of finale. You, I mean, you would have had the kind of the chase for De Niro. You know, trying to trying to get De Niro. Mm. Like it could have been. Yeah, it's nothing like as 
pronounced though. This is the the, the drama is really ramped up in this episode. Like his his nastiness is a lot more severe. Oh, that's true. And then yeah. the redemption arc is a lot sort of more fierce. But this whole episode, yeah. like, if you said but, yeah. to someone, "What's this episode actually about? What's the story of this episode?" It's kind of it doesn't really have a story. It's quite until you get to Celebrity Big Brother, it's just like he's obviously got an arc. But there's not actually like a in in this episode of, of when the whistle uh, in uh, of extras, Andy has to do this. It's it's not. It's just like in this episode of of extras, Andy kind of like continues to be famous, continues not to like it, and then he goes on Celebrity Big Brother. Like but it's it, not really a narrative to it. I think that it's it again. It's that maximalist philosophy of extras, and more is more. Let's just do it all again, but bigger. Yeah, more yeah, characters. Yeah, you know, yeah, really like Danny says, make make Milman really nasty, make his redemption arc really dramatic. Yeah, you yeah. know, get more celebrities in, more, 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 which kind of works as a Christmas special. Yeah, it's like a normal episode on steroids, right? And it, it kind of ramps everything up. Yeah, which it, it, yeah, it's let's be honest, it's not the office it's not <laughs> it's not this beautifully neat concise piece of tv that rounds itself off in the most incredible way yeah it's a little bit repetitive and sometimes a little bit lazy but the, i don't watch extras with the same lens i watch no. extra, extras because it's funny yeah, right? exactly. it's just it's it probably makes me laugh even more the office scene the by office. scene each like you, you, if you pick out a scene that scene is going to be funny. Yeah. But like watched as a whole, it's a bit kind of, it's not a full meal. It's not, it's not, as, it's not yeah. satisfying. It's yeah. not as coherent as a, as, as a story, right? Yeah. yeah. Don't have kind of pudding, you know. <laughs> Don't give <laughs> <Don't laughs> <get> everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the next scene. So Greg is actually not only star of the show, he's actually in the audition room, right? Checking in and making sure that these as part of casting. Oh. Do you think that's what I'm saying? That's why I think this, this sequel is a, is, is a, a Shelley spinoff. I think maybe even Byron's not even in it. But do you think he maybe decided to go along because Norman was there. Probably. I think. I think. No, he, he probably doesn't do all of them. He just he thought, oh, I'll pop in and. Well, if it's what they call a, um, oh, what do they call it? He's just. This is classic Greg. This scene. He's just. It's, amazing, it's a delightful performance. Like when he, you know, when he's saying his age and stuff, and he says. Oh, okay, fine. Oh, sorry, can't do that. It says late 30s. <laughs> it's so he, he repeats the tone that he's editing. Oh. Exactly, yeah, it's okay. so funny. So which role are you here for? Henry Milligan. Hang on, it can't be Henry Milligan. It says here, age 36. Yeah, I took that as being in mid to late 30s. We'll change it to late 30s. Hang on, it can't be Henry Milligan. It says here, late 30s. But does Andy deserve that? Or is Greg being unnecessarily nasty? But it's like what we said before. If you you could if you see the entire show through Greg's perspective, then yeah. Andy does deserve it because Andy's been such an arsehole to him. And now Greg's <laughs> the one with the power. He's got his, his big hit film. Yeah. He's got a sequel greenlit. He's the one that's got the power. He's doing the you know the kind of the auditions. And Andy walks in. He's like, right, I'm gonna absolutely fucking stick it. To yeah, this. yeah. Like, this, no would, this would be Greg's yeah. Greg's redemption. But if it was the Greg Christmas special. But it's Which not. It kind of is. <laughs> but, uh, to be honest, like I'm 100. I'm actually on Greg's side this time. I've got no sympathy for Andy at all. He's going for a role that's completely. Un- he's basically forced his way into, into an yeah, audition for, for a role that he's clearly unsuited for. He's put a girdle on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He couldn't actually even be bothered to make any effort to get into shape for it. Well, exactly. So yeah, yeah. I just it's think, yeah, almost a metaphor. He's he because he's not putting the effort into actually. Yeah. Just covering slim. Up. He's just yeah. trying to look slim. Yeah. yeah. And then it. Uh, it un- and then it the, pops way, over. the way. The way it just pops <laughs> open. I just, I, I never 
I, won't, I never won't laugh at that. Yeah, yeah. 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 metaphorical <laughs> girdle. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That, that's his whole. That's the whole thing. It's like, yeah, yeah sorry, you're not. You're not good enough for this. Yeah. Shortcut. Make yeah. it. Have a short. Take a short. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, and also, just the way he reads the lines as well. Like he wouldn't. He's it's just awful, not good. He's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Reputation procedures, sir. <laughs> I would say. I would say. Something's gr- happened to Danny's midriff. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a head on my midriff. <laughs> I would say Greg and Andy deserve each other. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's a good assessment. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very short on any sympathy for Andy in this episode, and yeah, particularly then. Because I just Could you imagine how much yeah. worse Andy would have been on the other side, though? Well, exactly. This exactly. He would have been, he would yeah. have ramped that up. He would have been saying all the same thing. Even worse, he would have been sitting there smug looking Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. And well, the thing is, they was. both, as actors, they both got very smug faces. Yeah, so yeah. there's a perfect. <laughs> trade-off of smugness between the two of them and one's on the back foot one's coming forward you know yeah i, yeah. Like, yeah, I love yeah. that but i think you're right i think he has been he was obviously sick he, he got in there saw andy millman's name on the list yeah. and he, like, he was waiting for it he's not like he's gone off to hollywood done these films and doesn't even remember andy and holds no ill grudge against him because he's obviously gone higher up he's obviously still he's always no matter what happens to greg i think he's always gonna still remember andy and like want to kind of like bring him down yeah. No matter how low Andy oh, gets. And I, and I guess it's because in the back of his mind, he knows if the roles are reversed, Andy would be doing it yeah, 10 yeah, times yeah, more. Yeah. Exactly. Which he did when in, in yeah. the, uh, I can't remember the exact specifics, but well, is it, it's the, uh, is it the end of episode, series Patrick one? Episode. When, yeah, when he goes to the extras and he kind of did just acts like a complete arsehole, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think there's an implication that Greg's actually slightly obsessed with Andy. Yeah, and, yeah, and vice versa. Like they're always on each other's minds. Like when yeah. it almost feels like when Greg gets any success, the first thing he's thinking is, "Oh, I could really rub this in Andy's face." <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like they live to kind of outdo each other. Right? <laughs> oh, he seems to have scuttled off. <laughs> Guess who? Right, this oh, yeah, is the funny. second return of my favourite side character in this show. Turns up on the bench and who's there waiting for him? Cock. Cock. Pint of cock. All right, buddy. The legendary Gerard Kelly. I love that they were able to bring Bunny back. Yeah. As as basically almost like one of the celebrity cameos, but as a, a you know as an actual established yeah, yeah, yeah. character because he was so good. And we, we were talking about it earlier, weren't we, James? But they bring him back just in the most outrageous way. He's just unrepressed now. He's out and proud. He's just gone comp- 30, 40, 50 years of suppressing his gayness. Now. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah overflowing <laughs> and of course two thirds of the bench is now dead which is really sad that's true George that's Michael. true you had got that oh, it's such a great scene isn't it though yeah. this one it's really, I mean it's so good not least because George Michael is just so kind of naturalistic with his really funny kind of, yeah. it reminds me of a bit like Chris Martin do you know what I mean like he's just really kind of you can tell he's got funny bones I was helping Annie Lennox out with an old fridge freezer and she said shall I call the council I said no don't bother with that there's a skip at the end of my street so two thirty in the morning we're uh, tipping it in there and fucking police show up. Yeah. How did they get involved then? Well, it was Stuart Copeland's skip and uh, he called Sting. And Sting called the fucking council because he's a fucking do-gooder. And now me and Annie are picking up litter. Well, I better get going because you know I'm going to have to get back to work. Soon. He always was one of those people who was very good at sort of laughing at himself, George Michael. Yeah, you know, he's a fine example of how of how he was really. I mean, yeah, that whole like after like you know the whole toilet thing, he made basically made a song of it, didn't he? With outside, yeah, school outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the video is like policeman in the toilet. Yeah, he's just laughing about it basically. I've had him, you know. Swimming all over the bloody wall. It's another example. This this scene of just how. 
I mean, there is a little bit of establishment of story in there, but Bunny's role is basically just to be funny and tie things together. And I, yeah. I, I appreciate that in extras. It's, it is sometimes it's a bit easier to watch than the others in a sense because you just get laughs out of yeah, it's yeah, just more fun, scenes, isn't it? Yeah, more like, back, more fun. Yeah, <laughs> the office can be quite depressing to watch. Like loads of episodes of it back to back. Sometimes it's yeah. a bit sitcoms like, have to be hell. depressive. Yeah. <laughs> but then Keep life, walking. you know what I mean? That, that, that's what makes it such a rich sitcom. Yeah, and for such a small character. He's in. He's in episode. He's in series one. He's in series two, and he's in the Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they obviously really kind of like like him. They obviously kind of made an effort to bring him back. And also, yeah. like fully, fully gay now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> he's, he's not spending time teaching his daughter to do bucks fizz anymore. Like, he's yeah. not like going to see plays anymore. He's just like he's just living the bench life now. So next scene is our introduction to the Ivies, the important place for a, a couple of times in this. I was going to say we go to the Ivy quite a lot in this episode. Yeah. Obviously, that's probably that, that's not, that's probably a set they would have had to build specifically for the episode because I, I doubt it was actually filmed in the Ivies. They're like, okay, let's use that a couple of times because yeah. what is the Ivy? Uh, that central Ivy, the one that they always go to, has always been a famous celebrity mm. oh, really? restaurant. Yeah, 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 big time. Yeah, yeah, so, it's not Gordon Ramsay's then. No, it's nothing to do with Gordon Ramsay, but. <laughs> That that's a funny thing. Gordon, Gordon Ramsay would be unlikely to be in the Ivy because I don't know. There, there's a lot of Ivy. There's loads of little offshoots of the Ivy now in London, but the flagship Ivy is like a celebrity hub. Yeah. So it's it's entirely reasonable to think that if Milman was sitting in there, he would see the likes of Vernon Kay, etc. Walk past. Yeah, it's it, a good you know. excuse to just get a yeah. bunch of celebrity cameos in. You know, Noel Coward and Jerry There's always this 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 idea that I suppose was less more, probably more prevalent then than it is now. That like if you've made it, you get to go to the Ivy right, kind yeah. of thing. You kind of on the way down, you're not really going to get in, as we yeah. see from. Hale I'm kind of surprised you've never heard of it. I've heard. Well, we were. That's the reason I asked because we. Well, don't this is being cut this bit out. We were, <laughs> we were in Oxford yesterday, and there was a Ivy. We were standing outside. Yeah, that's what I mean. There's Ivy brasseries, but they're just like they're, they're, they're pretty standard. Little yeah, ones. and they're kind of they're probably franchised and kind they're of franchised. Like, yeah, and, and <laughs> me, and Danny, <laughs> me and Danny went up to because we were waiting for a bus. We went for fucking ages, about an hour and a half to get this bus, and we were outside. It was freezing, but we went up, and the woman at the down counter, we were saying if we could go in, and she wouldn't let us in, and we said we have the management. <laughs> 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 she didn't get it. <laughs> Oh, you said it to her? Yeah. Oh, of course you did. <laughs> but the uh, the Ivy was famous. It got a lot of press probably around that time because they turned. They said they didn't have enough room for Beyonce once or something like that. Oh, yeah. You know, she didn't get in. No way. Yeah. Was that also where... Should have called ahead. <laughs> that was, I think that was also where Kate Winslet's husbands were kicked in, was like not letting for wearing jeans. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just very snooty and, and pretentious and it is exactly the sort of place you'd expect to bump into a lot of characters like that. And, you know, you know when Millman's in favour, he walks straight in. Yeah, when, yeah. When, when he's not, he's not allowed in. But that really mirrors um, the, the, the little club that he goes to in, in I think, episode two. It's practically yeah. the same scenario, the one yeah, where Bowie yeah, turns Yeah, the Bowie up. episode, yeah. yeah. it's pretty much the same joke. And know? they recognise him straight away. And but, and he's happy to use his... This is what we've said before. We say he's happy to use his when the whistle blows anonymity... For uh, fame, fame for that, yeah, but yeah, for, for, for that. But he's but... not happy to use it to help Hale and Pace. So do you know what I mean? Like he's like yeah. they say, can you get us in? And he basically does a Gordon Ramsay to him, yeah, and says, oh no, sorry, I can't, whatever, and just fucks off. So yeah. you know, even more doesn't deserve to be helped later on, really. No, that's yeah. the, that's the whole thing, isn't it? It's like in the pecking order at that point, Hale and Pace are below, yeah, Gervais. So Gervais is arrogant to them, <laughs> but then, but then, Milton. sorry, Milton. <laughs> <laughs> but then, no, if it's actually Gervais, probably not. Actually. But then it's the other way around. Ramsay, obviously a big celebrity especially at that time he was just really breaking through into like yeah, everywhere yeah, yeah. on TV yeah so then it's like he's you know the packing order's changed yeah. Yeah. and he's so smug when he's sitting in there like same 25 the extra 
You know what I mean? He'll he'll he'll, he'll moan about being the underdog, but he you know he won't help when he's not the when the boots on the other foot. But, he won't, and, he won't it, help the underdog. But it's because he's so in in what's it called uh, insecure about his place. Like he doesn't want to help the extra because he's. Because no one helped him. Yeah, so well, it's and a also, bit like, yeah. And, in, and at the Ivy, he doesn't want to help in Hale and Pace because if he's seen with Hale and Pace, suddenly people might think, oh, well, yeah, Andy Millman, he's just like Hale and Pace's shit, basically. Yeah. Oh, if, he, if he starts helping extras, they might kind of, that kind of like brings down, he brings him down slightly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I remember when Hale and Pace were a big deal. I do. I remember <laughs> when they were back in the 90s. I don't yeah. were, they, were they the ones that did the whole, you know, leaning, talking to each other across the table with the black background? Was that Hale and Pace? No, that was um, um, Mel. Oh, yeah, Smith and Jones. Smith and Jones, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Smith and Jones, yeah. Okay, basically the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> the same difference. Yeah. <laughs> this is an important one, though, because this is the first introduction to, from Trey Cooper, right? So Trey saddles yes. up to Andy, blows a bit of smoke up his arse, gives uh, Maggie a little card to get her part on the Byron film. Um, and yeah, so it's a sort of. He's sort of telling Andy exactly what he wants to hear and trying to sort of give him the idea that actually he might be better off with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I'm surprised that I mean it, it it says something good about Andy's loyalty, I guess, but like or his complacency. But I'm surprised he hasn't already. I mean, when the whistleblowers have been the biggest thing in, yeah, in, think, in British sitcoms for like two years, I'm surprised he hasn't already got a new agent. Yeah, you think people would have come sniffing around him? Realistically, he, he would have. Well, he he moans. Well, like about... BBC, I'm sure would have said, "Get yourself a new agent." But he moans about firing his agent constantly throughout series two. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to get rid of you. What do you even do? But I guess it's just he finally gets an opportunity. Mm. You know? And he, I guess he wants, like a lot of people, he wants someone who he can kind of, he can talk candidly to Darren because he doesn't kind of consider Darren above him. So yeah. he's able to but just like have Darren's, a go at him. And... Darren's not able to kind of give him the truth bombs because Andy will just dismiss it. He gives him absolute truth bombs. Right, but he, he gets, but shows him his bad reviews. But he's not able to take it though because like, no, yeah, exactly. he doesn't respect him enough yeah, to have exactly, the opinion. Yeah. Whereas Trey ultimately says what Darren should say later down the line which is, you know, you need to make a choice. I can't help you because you flip-flop from one thing to another. Yeah. Whereas if Darren said that he would just say moron or something. Yeah, but also Darren wouldn't Darren know does... to say that. He wouldn't have the kind of yeah, uh, that's show does... business understanding. And, but Darren does say some pretty harsh things to him sometimes, like about because oh, I sent you from audition, they think I won't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know what I mean, ideally. And what was it? There's a, there's another part where he says, um, oh, you know, they, they've said, you know, even if your performance is crap, you still get paid. Yeah. So there's, there's that bit as well. Yeah. <laughs> and he bases that opinion on his performance. He, he basically says to him, it's a performance in you know, when the whistle blows is crap. Well, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty, you know. <laughs> But yeah, we see, so we see like Trey is like the kind of ultimate kind of a cliche of a kind of like a, a suave super agent. And then, and then literally the next scene, we see Darren struggling to get his jumper off. So like, yeah. it's, it's, it's a complete kind of like it's a yeah. contrast. He's yeah. got his own professional agency. He's got, uh, you know, he's suave, he's slick. Yeah. And then he comes back in to Barry and Darren. <laughs> Finally, he's just like, no, I'm going. With I'm the plan. Yeah. What, what is the plan? What's the plan now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just holding a business card, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> There's no conversation with Darren, though. It's just like he takes one look at him and just shakes his head and that's that. You know, yeah, Darren, yeah. Does, Darren doesn't even get the right of reply. Yeah. Oh, no, he's horrible to Darren because at the end of the day, Darren, like we said, he actually got him quite a lot of gigs. Exactly. Yeah, if if, if uh, Andy was just able to kind of take a step back and look at it, yeah, yeah, Darren or make the best of the opportunities he's been given by Darren. You know, he could have gone to that Byron's there, done a decent performance, and actually maybe tried to get something. <laughs> he was never going to get that role. And, and he could... I think even if even if it wasn't Greg there, 
He just obviously. No, he wasn't in the right. But he wasn't in what was it Darren's responsibility to make something of the Robert De Niro meeting as well? He got him in the room. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? If if Andy's not got the kind of, it's a good point. He abdicates responsibility a lot. um, Yeah, yeah. Andy Melvin, he is constantly everyone else's fault. Yeah, Yeah. he's not fulfilled his creative genius yet. Yeah. Well, no. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, this is the thing because he probably doesn't actually have any creative. Exactly. That's, yeah. This is this is the quite this is what we we don't see as the audience. What was his original script? Yeah, that's true. That's what that's what you know. That's what we often speculate on. This I mean, podcast. that's the big question. I I still think it must have been basically the office, but in a in a factory. I'm thinking more kind of dark, kind of Alan Bennett kind of thing. Mm. Like you know, sort of kind of like a northern kind of. Yeah, sort of working class, quite yeah, dark. Yeah, maybe, but I, I imagine... Character study, like like the bit where they're talking about, where they're talking to him about, uh, like, his date in yeah. the nightclub. I, I think it'd be more, that's more the feel of the, the show that he wrote, I think. Yeah, maybe. And then, yeah, yeah that, that whole bit that he wrote about Keith Jackman's dead sister. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 you yeah. wouldn't have had a character coming and saying that in the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you supposed to get comedy out of that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So Maggie's hustling for a card from Trey has managed to get her a part on the Byron film. It's a lovely part. It's uh, well done. A prostitute, um, but what if she just wasn't a prostitute? She was just his leg, so it was free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's where you've got. That's, I mean, like, that's a classic uh, extras, yeah. uh, celebrity cameo, isn't it? Just like trick a warning for extreme misogyny on this scene. I must say, <laughs> but really, what, what that extreme misogyny does is is it brings out um, Maggie's. Dignity, and I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. I like that scene. It's a pivotal moment for her where she goes in the direction of choosing, you know, to be not degraded. Yeah. Whereas Milman is just going for the path of choosing to be degraded. Yeah, well, because, yeah, that's true. Because the whole show. I mean, actually, I was gonna. Okay, so what I was gonna say is the whole showbiz thing and acting was is never something that Maggie cares about or has been passionate about. It's just something she fell into and kind of just didn't stop doing out of mm-hmm. probably complacency. So as soon as like she reaches her kind of like tether. She's like, well, I really don't give a shit about this. Yeah. But actually, we do know that she was a child actress, don't we? Right. <laughs> is that canon? Did we decide that? No, it was. She, she was oh, in. Oh yeah, the, the Penny Farthing Lane. Yeah, Penny Farthing Lane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she was yeah. in the. So maybe Orphans. it was just something her parents. Orphans of Penny Farthing Lane. Something yeah. her parents wanted her to do. Maybe. Yeah. Pushed yeah, yeah, her yeah, into right. it a little bit, you know. But she's just stumbled, bumbled through, never really made anything of it. Yeah, and and kind of just kind of one of those people that is just happy to just go through life perfectly content as long as like you know, the people she's surrounding herself with and as long as kind of life's going kind of all right, mm-hmm. she's able to make the best out of a- a- any situation, basically. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. once you're, once Clive Owen's <laughs> saying fuck off to the idea of sleeping with you yeah. and wanting to rub cow pat in your face, I think that's kind of, that's where I'm going to draw a line. Although I bet he regretted the decision when he saw the alternative. And the look on that guy's face when she walks off as well, it's like it never even, it never even mentioned in his mind that she might actually just walk off the set. Yeah, 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 of course. yeah, he looks they're proper shocked, doesn't he? As far as they yeah. Well, no, they do. I've, I've been on set yeah. as an extra. They, they do. I mean, I've never had, been threatened to have cow patch. <laughs> but Dexter Fletcher said I looked like a paedophile once when I was really? I was in Bohemian Rhapsody and they, and they made me. I was supposed to be like a studio producer or something, and they'd made me shave down to like a moustache, and they put a long hair on my like long hair on my head, and they put me in like some like you know seventies suit. <laughs> and Dexter Fletcher goes, "Who the hell are you supposed to be?" And I was like, "Oh, I think I'm supposed to be a studio producer." And he was like, "Oh, you look like a paedophile." <laughs> 
was like, all right, mate, I'm not the one that got put myself into this. Who's Dexter Fletcher? Dexter Fletcher's the director of, um, he was in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, oh, right. and he's the director of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and like <laughs> Rocket Man and other stuff like that. But yeah, you do kind of like, you get those points where you can say, like, what they take the piss out of in extras about them being treated like shit isn't, isn't far different. off. Yeah, yeah, isn't far no, off. No, I yeah, can imagine that. At that point, I could have just stormed off, but you're like, you're like fuck it, I'm here now. Yeah, yeah, no, I do. I imagine that. that uh, although the whole stuff about Cal and stuff is obviously, you know, a bit of an exaggeration, but, <laughs> but I can imagine that there, some people on set do treat extras like shit because they know that nine times they're going to stay, they're not going to, yeah, not they're just literally gonna... just herding around like cattle, standing yeah, yeah. around, yeah. And they're dehumanized, I guess, in their eyes. They're just, they literally are just, I oh, just fucking move them over, do whatever, who cares? Maggie, yeah. Maggie's stand against that. I like that. So that's the part of Ma- Maggie that Maggie has that Norman's missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the ability to do that. So they complement each other really nicely. Like, like if I always like to imagine after the closing scene, they decide to live together, not as a couple, but just live together because yeah. it works. You know, they complement each other. She brings him back down to earth, and he kind of maybe boosts her ambition a little bit. You think there's two. Mm-hmm. There's two parts there. Yeah. But the thing about Maggie, what we see of Maggie on sets when she's on, whether it's this Byron 2 or whether it's when the whistle blows, is that she's on her own. She doesn't have Andy with her now to to have a laugh with and kind of to raise her spirits a little Mm. bit. So, like, she's literally just hanging around on her own on the sets. And so that's why she's I think that's why she reaches the end of her mm, end of yeah, her exactly. like she doesn't have if, if if this had happened in series one where Andy could have been off off camera like kind of like trying to you know give, having a laugh of her afterwards or kind of making her see the funny side of it she wouldn't have stormed off but because she's literally on her own yeah. she's got nothing to stop her from storming off and then we have then we have you know when she's started a new career as a well she started a new job as a cleaner and she's and you know obviously we've got the scene of her looking through the job adverts realising she's got no experience for anything and yeah. we've got the Kate Bush montage yeah. which again Jack I'm sure you probably have something to say about the use of music in this it's very, very literal, isn't it? Yeah, it's very, it's, very This literal, woman's yeah. work. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's a bit like, like up there with sort of and, and, aware of the devil. And <laughs> please let me get what I want from the Smiths. It's all very kind of blatant, obvious needle drops. But, yeah, exactly. But Gervais then carries on through Afterlife and everything he does, pretty much. Yeah. Like, he's good. He And, and Merchant as well. Like they both obviously come from not only just XFM, but radio backgrounds. I think Gervais was a music supervisor on, like, Teachers. Like, mm. that had a really good soundtrack. They obviously both have an encyclopedic knowledge of music. Mm. But the way they use it, especially well, the way they use it in the Gervais and Merchant collaboration shows, and the way Gervais uses it in his own shows, so I'm inclined to suggest that maybe it's a Gervais issue. Yeah, because it's, it's not just, like it in outdoors, is it? No, it's just so kind of like clanging and obvious, and kind of like not the bit the, the music starts and then the music stops when you get to the end of the scene. Ah, oh, yeah, it's it's a bit it's, uh, inelegantly. Used. It's very literal. It's too literal. Yeah, but, but I, now every time I clean my toilet, I just I just <laughs> I have that song going through my head. <laughs> <laughs> I can so imagine you tidying your house. I can see it with, with the little headband thing on. I think that was my first introduction to Kate Bush. Actually, it's a good song, it's but good it's song, kind of like, it, it, it's just like a very easy way. It's a very easy shorthand to get some emotion out of someone because it's a very emotional song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's the same as using the please, please, please. Let me yeah, get what exactly. I want when yeah. Maggie's not getting what she wants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Been on the, been on the job. Well, well not, not only <laughs> Andy's not getting what he wants as well. No, exactly. so, you know, there's two sides to it. <laughs> yeah. It's layered. Did you get yeah, the double meanings? Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, so we're going to bounce into Trey's office now for the first sit-down. It's a really swanky office, lots of uh, open plan, beautiful reception people all milling about. And now Trey's actually sitting down with him and trying to go through a bit of a plan from how to get him on the C list onto the top of the A list. Yeah, yeah doesn't doesn't he uh, say, but no, you're not quite there, you need to be B list or something like yeah, that? He yeah, he says it's going to take time to get you to the top of the A list, but we can get you to the top of the B list by... Uh... Shagging these people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I can't help but feel in the air there's a segue here somewhere into a certain feature. Oh, um, in cell corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I found that too. And it's good. I lost my virginity. Full stop. Good night for me. Okay. Yeah. So he's yeah. He's uncomfortable. Um, uh, uh, you know, having to get with these newsworthy trollops. But I don't know. I don't know what he's playing as. But I don't know why he doesn't just say, "All right, then, Trey." Yeah, well, Trey's not a, a pimp, is he? I don't well, know. Well, he, he basically, he basically is. Is that what's happening here, do you think? Yeah, yeah, basically, basically, yeah. He's basically saying, I can get you laid with one of these celebrities. I wonder I wonder who he's pointing at. He said, her? Everyone's been there. <laughs> <laughs> I can only speculate about who he meant. What have you been doing? <laughs> probably, probably, that, probably that woman at the end. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, yeah, who's, who goes yeah that would have been a nice moves. little way to yeah, introduce yeah, yeah. her. But then I guess in that scene, you would have been like... I don't know who that's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> like you wouldn't might have actually thought it was supposed to be an action yeah. celebrity. And I think the bit the bit at the end where she's like saying all the men she slept with when the bird noise is coming on and he's just standing there looking shocked. <laughs> that, that's another that's one. The, that's the little corner. Yeah. Is that in Silly though? The fact that he doesn't want to have a fabricated paparazzi Yeah, exactly. That's like... And the fact that he's a bit shocked that this woman's just reeling off a list of like a million guys that she slept with. Yeah, but that's not necessarily, necessarily in Silly. It's a little bit in Silly. Why? Well, I mean, the last one you could say is a bit uh, uh, slut shaming. Like, but... Yes, definitely. <laughs> but he, but presumably, Which, you know, again, back in those days, that was that was just normal. Well, exactly. It's yeah. true. I, when I was watching that bit, I thought there is there is a few things that are definitely sign of their times kind of thing. Yeah, you know, that they probably wouldn't have included that, or if yeah. they had, it would have come with some sort of attached outrage. Kind yeah, of exactly. but at the same time, like there are loads of people that still that still do think like that. You know, it might be like. It might be frowned upon, but people do have things like that. Oh, yeah. People, I'm not saying people, people... people do get shocked when they find out how many people someone has slept with and think, oh, that's yeah. gross, and I don't want to be with them. Yeah, Even was... to, to men as well. This was the early noughties, though, before slut slush, slush was bad. So... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was all right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then. The important part on this scene, though, is that he actually gives gives um, Milman a bit of feedback. That's actually your cat, not number one catchphrase anymore. So Milman immediately goes from being saying, "Oh, I don't want to do catchphrases anymore. I've had enough of this. It's shallow. It's demeaning." He to... doesn't like being told he's not number one. But as soon as he's not he? number one, he's like, "Well, if they want catchphrases, I'll give them catchphrases." Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just launches into like a just the sickening montage, list of just, com- yeah. There's a bit. Yeah. There's a bit of a Brent like, "Good, didn't want to be number one." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, that's that's the classic example. That's when it's telling that what he really wants is the fame and adulation. Yeah, you know, and if he made if he made a brilliant TV show, uh, like, uh, and no one watched it. He'd be bitterly disappointed because yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. just about making it, right? But if he does a shitty catchphrase and everyone loves it, he pretends that he doesn't feed off that adulation, but yeah. he does feed off it 100%. Yeah. yeah. And it's obviously where his kind of creative uh, mind goes. Like, he's, he's able to, like, yeah, yeah. straight away, he's able to speak of a million catchphrases. And they all hit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like with your thing about him saying um, Russell Crowe and Russell Grant, it's quite witty. He's, he's, he's funny at a one-liner. He's funny yeah. at a broad, you know, throwaway joke. He's good at it. Yeah. yeah. You know, so if he just, like I've said and always maintained, if he just chilled out and accepted his level, he could have a fucking whale of a time. Yeah. yeah and like, yeah. And, and like spoke to 
Damon and Ian at the BBC and like ended when the whistle blows but then did another sitcom and maybe made that slightly classier like yeah. then he kind of t- took a slightly left and then you know and then, he, and then he could have like worked his way up but he doesn't he insists on diving in completely out of his depth with an interview from uh, Emily Whitford from The Guardian <laughs> and I, I'm sorry I don't I'm not keen on this Emily Whitford woman Right. Well, well, go on, Danny. Talk us through this scene, will you? Well, You're not a Guardian well, fan, though, are you? No, I'm really not a Guardian <laughs> fan. And I, and I kind of get the impression that Gervais isn't either. I feel, I feel like he's sort of lampooning the Guardian a bit here. She, she's very snooty. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, she is. Yeah. yeah, and I think he's trying to say the Guardian's very snooty. But then... Which is probably also, a fair comment. She's snooty, but then also Andy's kind of bringing it on himself. Like, he's kind right. of trying to court that. But, and by then... putting on a different voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. well, he, he invites Maggie around just to help him. And obviously, that's the first sign of trouble when, you know, you invite Maggie around to help him. He must know it's not going to go well. <laughs> yeah. he must, so, at what part of his brain thought this is going to work? <laughs> immediately, immediately, his insecurities are on display. That he yeah. can't just be Andy Millman. He has to fake this conversation yeah. with Ridley Scott just yeah. to make himself look more legit and more credible. Yeah, because he... And, and, and put on the accent and, like, pretend he's got... Because he doesn't think that he's worthy of the Guardian, basically. <laughs> And he even lays down like David Brent in the picture. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is pure Brent, this whole scene. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's very like, much put, Putting on the voice and the way it just fades back into his own voice. Oh, we've got, we got, we got another segment for that, haven't we, Danny? Oh, what is new you were, Brent? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It's very, it's very Brent, it is. Yeah. It? And then he's sort of like, tone it down, all right. Yeah, you know, it's all, it's all really Brent. Like. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it the way, you know, I did it that way because that was a vibe. For <laughs> but this is like a perfect, like, pure sitcom scene. Oh, where, like the, so... the stuff with Maggie and the kind of payoffs and the, and the, and the, the setups and the payoff. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Everything about it. The setup, the brilliant. The catchphrase. I mean, she's must be sick of him. Like, you know, when she's doing this interview, do you think she's being unreasonably rude, or do you think she's just totally within her rights because he's actually, I, such a twat? Watching it back this time, my memory is that she kind of, but the, the, the character seems like she goes in straightway with not wanting to do this interview and kind of wanting to set. Millman up, yeah. but I don't really get. I didn't get that impression this time. No, I, I felt I like she was kind of obviously. Yeah, she's snooty. She's a kind of lefty Guardian, London yeah. Guardian and journalist. But I feel like she would have given him a fair shake. She was kind of there to just see what he's all about. Yeah. I, the, the bit I really don't like is when she says "bunch of sabos and and then he and then he does the most Brentish retort ever. He's just like, "Well, oh, not fun before it raises money." <laughs> it's so Brent. Yeah. I think I think she yeah she is a snooty Guardian journalist. But but I think she yeah like you say Jack she was going to give him a fair chance. But from the offset, it's obvious that he's he's trying to be something he's not. Yeah, so yeah. therefore he kind of he gets the smugness he deserves. From yeah, him, yeah. She, you know she put I mean. his back up by saying that Greg has a brooding intensity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she she wasn't she didn't know no, that I he was know, so yeah. insecure about Greg. <laughs> she didn't know that to to Milman that's like the ultimate dick. Yeah, exactly. You know? Also, I forgot it, this was the scene where they mentioned the celebrity um, the, the the Christmas special, <laughs> like the, 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 Christmas the Christmas single. I'd love to have seen that. Where I was, was going to say that's what well, I was just about to say. That should be an Easter egg complete with you know they could get Craig Charles and Sam Fox. I don't think I don't think they could have got real Craig Charles. <laughs> but but that's the thing. Like for me, Craig Charles. Why do they mention him as a sado? I mean, that seems pretty unfair. He's just like I mean. I he, guess he was he, a, he was kind of a bit of a sad point when this. Was yeah, about. he hasn't done anything wrong. He's just a, he's just a guy that was was in a big sitcom and hasn't been seen around for a while. That's what that's what Andy Millman would turn it's into. Languishing in robot wars, I, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think yeah, because yeah, Craig Charles, I think he's he's been on kind of a bit of an upward trajectory since this episode was made. But at, yeah. the, t- at the time, what's I he doing now? He's on Six Music now, and he does yeah, like he's doing, things, he's doing but, everywhere. Now. But, 
but, but I think back then, I think he was kind of in the kind of in the toilet a bit with his yeah. career. But so. I always found it a bit strange because he's someone who's always had like he's had credibility. Red yeah, Dwarf yeah, was yeah. credible. Yeah. He's always been a credible name in music. Like it's he's true. always done it's DJing good. and stuff, and people Coronation like, Street though. Yeah. But <laughs> that was possibly the still counts. Still counts. <laughs> that was possibly the yeah, but he's, just, he's just one of those names where it's easy to kind of to, to, to point at him as a kind of um, yeah because he, he's a name that everyone knows but also they know that he's a bit washed up he hasn't been on TV for a while can't mm. get on TV for love and the money yeah and uh, yeah so it's just a funny name to throw out it, yeah. it, it's almost like a, oh yeah I remember him kind of name especially back then and you have to come up with some names that aren't washouts so that people yeah. recognise them because yeah. the joke is you're pretending you're, you're having a pop at them like it's like with, yeah. uh, with well, who was the picture that Lenny Henry on the wall yeah you know what I mean like, it's yeah. just it's a little bit of a shallow dig yeah obviously I mean Jake did his mum you can't really argue with that that is proper D-list <laughs> yeah God, they, they had really had a year for Jake Goody if you're, if you're someone's mum you know that's what you're famous for and but yeah working out their issues with looky likeies in all their projects haven't they there's always yeah. been like a little reference yes, to yeah, yeah, yeah. XFM the office <laughs> and this it's just that I think they, they find the world of celebrities so hilarious and ludicrous that the fact that there's this sort of parallel uh, kind of um, periphery of it there's just people leeching off of well this is the thing yeah, what, like what they're interested in is the world of people who are desperate to be famous right. there's no people that are more desperately famous than looking like he's because they're not even trying to do anything they're literally just <laughs> turning up and looking like, like the person <laughs> stand at your party at the back is that Caprice over there yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you might need to get Catherine Zeta-Jones in here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ashley Jensen is so good in the scene. Yeah, she's just... Uh... Yeah, she is great. Yeah. She, look a bit secretarial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and we see that, which we don't see a lot in this episode, because obviously a lot of this episode is, is showing her kind of um, what kind of tragic kind of character she is. But mm-hmm. we see her just complete naivety, like the classic Maggie, kind of just like not mm-hmm. getting it, not getting Andy's kind of like suggestions of how she should act or what she should do. Yeah. So, I mean, speaking of Maggie, she has that really kind of sad scene when you know Danny mentioned she was looking for a job and that leads straight into her getting this flat getting shown around a flat yeah. by the estate agent who is also in he's in well lots of things really you know tribute bands you know does a bit of everything. <laughs> he's, he's in the office. Yeah, he's that in that role. Yeah, he's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. in so Life's Too Short. So he's, he's in the office as the agent. Ding. Um, he's in Life's Too Short as the accountant. Ding. Which is, uh, I think he carries that show to be honest. Yeah, he's, he's so really good in it. Yeah. Is he in Derek? We were talking about this but, earlier. But I tell you what, it doesn't is. doesn't quite make sense though. In Life's Too Short, he criticizes extras at one point. Does he? The character does like a bad review of extras, and it's kind of a bit weird because he's actually in it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lost enough life's too short to be honest. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a few see there's a few things in the extras life's too short timeline that don't kind of quite, quite marry <laughs> correctly. But yeah, I thought that was quite like funny. what else? Yeah, uh, the fact that um, no, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I've got loads here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you two. One more. Go take one. Take one if you've got already. No, there's no. This is the whole thing with Keith Chegwin and and. and uh, Les Dennis, it kind of... It, the, that's, the, oh, okay. that's, the, that's the kind of extended special. Yeah. Which I yeah. love, by the way. I won't yeah. hear a bad word about it. That, that was really good, yeah. But, but the, the main series wasn't amazing, but the extended special was brilliant. Mm. So obviously we've got this... Uh... <clears throat> yeah, so she's looking around the flat. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's what I was saying, yeah. It's the most depressing flat you've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it's got a James Bond bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just everything in one room, in it? But I guess that's like, you know, if you're if you live, if you insisting on living in London and you haven't got, and you know, well, I guess 
people, some people have to live in London and do low paid jobs. Is it supposed that, to be London? Do they say it's London? I kind of presume yeah, it's it's London. The Ivy. She's working at the Ivy, isn't she? Yeah. She's working at the Ivy? Well, she's going to the Ivy pretty no, regularly she's working at the Ivy. Is, she, is that what she's watching the pot? She comes out straight into the Ivy. Oh, I, ne- I honestly never caught that. No? I didn't realise that's what she was doing. She, I wouldn't just, have lived, she, had, she wouldn't have lived near the Ivy, though. She'd be yeah, like she, a massive commute away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, I mean, she could have been living in Pinner or something and getting the underground. Well, hang on, where is she? Oh, what Pinner? She... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure she'd even be able to afford that. <laughs> yeah, well, you yeah, know, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> What's the uh, area like where she lives? Well, you know, I mean, it's quite very cosmopolitan area. It does get gets a bit Arabic towards the end of the street, but there's nothing we can do about that. I love the, yeah, just a little bit of casual way. Just, like, just like Mummy used to make it. <laughs> yeah, very good for halal meat. Yeah, yeah. yeah so basically it's the classic thing of you don't want to live with all these races, you, you know what I mean? You, you'll be upset but you, about living with different races, but you love their food. That's yeah. kind of the classic thing, it's the isn't way it? Says, yeah. It's the way he's sort of apologetic, in it? Like, but there's nothing we can do about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's come up loads. But that wasn't even what she meant. She meant, oh, they're, you know, in mean the city. It's in yeah. the shops. Is a, yeah. One thing yeah. we haven't touched on, though, is the, the tragic firing of Darren Lamb. I mean, oh, yeah. inevitable. Not even doing it in person, by the way. What do you think of that? Classic. And, oh, sorry, go on. And the way Barry tells him the news as well. There's <laughs> yeah. a little echo of the office there. He tells him the bad news, he tells him the good news, and then the bad news. It's just bad news, yeah. just bad news and irrelevant news, Danny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he, said, and he said, You know, if I said the bad news first, then the good news would have been sad, so I didn't know what to do for the best. <laughs> I love Darren, Darren Lambs, he's just he's such an eternal kind of like dopey optimist. He's yeah. just hearing about BT calling, he's yeah. like, oh, very he's happy about my, my plan, but then he kind of like factors it into his diary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Back at some point, like, calling them. Yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly, just this bombshell like, oh, yeah, you've been fired. <laughs> You had to have no further contact with him whatsoever. <laughs> but that is just an example of how, like, Milman's fear that, like, he literally, when Milman doesn't come into the office for a meeting, he's just sitting there doing nothing and expecting his 12.5% to roll yeah. in. Yeah, 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 exactly. He, yeah, he's just kind of resting on his laurels. Mm. Reminds me a bit of uh, Harry Kane's manager, who's his brother. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. One, one client. <laughs> and, yeah. and he's just done the move to over to uh, Bayern Munich, I think, and he's, and he's literally more money than anyone's ever yeah and he's actually had to work basically one day in the last sort of seven years well, yeah. yeah but it's not exactly like trey's doing any better i mean we see him in the next scene like he's uh he's he's just suggesting the same old stuff that, that darren suggested the hotel babylon what, what can he do yeah. what can he do like an agent's not going to just magically generate an opportunity for um i'm just trying to think what okay so what is the um career path that you think Andy would want to take. I mean, we got to imagine, we got to imagine he's not completely delusional. Okay. He doesn't think he's going to be DiCaprio. No, I think he wants whatever Greg has done. Yeah, I feel like if he but Greg could... has almost <clears throat> taken the kind of unrealistic delusional path. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. in a realistic way. So in a realistic way, maybe he would. I'm trying to think of an actor that I would say he could maybe have had chart. You know, follow the path of um, Stephen Graham. Stephen Graham, mm. Stephen, mm. you know, starts off doing sort of secondary supporting roles yeah, in various yeah. British films, becomes the toast of the town, and effectively now British royalty. Well, this also actually this is the thing. I mean, when was this made? Two thousand six, two thousand seven. Yeah. This was at a point when British TV wasn't exactly at its best. British dramas weren't exactly. We had the broad churches and the This Is England mm. and uh, you know kind of and the Happy Valleys and all that kind of stuff. So. 
the Millwood probably was looking at British TV and thinking, well, I need to get on the Sopranos. I need to get yeah, on yeah, Adam. Yeah. I need to get on, I need to, like, there's nothing for me, like, Andy in, in British TV. Well, no, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he, it's, it's, it's not like that I mean about, you know, if, if BBC did the Sopranos, it's Barry from EastEnders. Yeah. <laughs> the options in 2007. <laughs> There is actually a little bit of James Gandolfini and Sean Williamson do actually yeah. quite a similar look. The options in 2007 on British TV were Hotel Babylon and Doctor Who. Like, I'm looking at what the BAFTA nominees for like, Life on Mars, Shameless, do you know what I mean? So, so, so Andy probably is thinking, like, yeah. But Andy Milman, he's not a good actor. That's the oh, fundamental well, problem. Well, yeah, it's it's what I mean, I'm watching, there's plenty of good shows out there that you think like, that was a bit, bit ropey acting. You wouldn't get this in America. He couldn't hit the panel show circuit. So he could have gone on yeah. to sort of the eight out of ten cats sort of things. I mean, maybe he's not witty enough to be a proper comedian. Also, I bet he'd be snooty about that as well. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he would. Matt, I can imagine if, if if eight out of ten cats was around at the time, then Darren probably would have suggested that. Mm. And he would have been, no, I don't want to be on. He wants to be. I mean, he might want to be on Parky. He doesn't want to be on a. I would have loved to have seen him go on. To, oh, how about this? Did you ever see the episode of where Louis Theroux with Chris Eubank? When yeah. Chris Eubank goes on to question of sport and gets eviscerated by <laughs> right. fucking old Jonathan Ross and a few other people, yeah. like just completely mullered. Yeah. If Andy went on to a show like. That with proper sharp Bill Bailey comedians. Yeah, and seeing so him get an absolute risk. He'd yeah, get yeah, torn yeah. to shreds, wouldn't he? And he yeah. wouldn't be able to handle it. And he would just like do a big drop of massive clang, and like he did at the end of was it um, the play with Ian McKellen? Yeah, and yeah, just yeah. He kills the room and storms <laughs> off, doesn't Preston? Do you know what I mean? It would have been quite a funny episode. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sure between us we could have come up with a whole new series for this show. Well, yeah, there, yeah. I mean, there is a lot of ideas that we've had. This over is the, the thing, last year. I mean, because they created a good world, and like there's yeah. lots of kind of different avenues, and they create good characters in a good world where you can be like, oh, but if only they'd done this and this, and this character they've really set up so nicely. If only they put that in this yeah. kind of situation, we'll have a word with them, dear, dear listener. We'll, uh, <laughs> yeah. get, get back on together <laughs> and tell them, come on, guys, knock your heads together, do extra series three. There was just a lot of scope yeah. for funny scenarios yeah. to, to branch out. Funny, almost meaningless scenarios that yeah. didn't have to to have some deep hidden meaning or anything. Just, well, this is the yeah. thing that like, they were so desperate to do to, to do the whole two two series in a Christmas special thing mm. that they kind of were just kind of they they I don't they obviously weren't even looking past mm. two series. But it's like what we said with the Office. But we were saying we they could have expanded the Office Christmas special into a whole third series. They could have done so much more with extras. I think that was actually the original plan was to write a third series, and oh, then yeah. he just Ricky just decided to make it a Christmas special. I'm sure I read that at one point he was yeah. planning to make a full third series out of it. Mm. Whereas I feel like with this, they kind of almost kind of had to force themselves to kind of mm. try and think of something to write for a Christmas special for a. And you know, he, he, followed, he followed literally the exact same format as The Office to the letter, yeah. more or less. The only difference is this is two parts <clears throat> instead of one. Yeah, when, yeah. For some reason, I I always imagined this was split into two parts as well. Mm. I've got a false memory of watching it over two nights, but that's nonsense. It was just one. Yeah. Could it have been broadcast over two nights? Because it is definitely no, wasn't. Was, I no, no, it was. No, it was now. I, I've got a false memory. <laughs> like around the Emily Mitford point, I, I remember that being part two, but no. Well, so it's all well in one. Yeah. Speaking of the Emily Whitford article, she hits the nail on the head and sort of, uh, I think the, the headline is, you know, he was desperate for every for the article to headline to read, next stop, Hollywood, all's well in the Millman camp. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, straight from that horrific interview into Trey's office and Trey's basically saying to him, right, they're right for the picking, we're going to renegotiate the contract and they want a Christmas special. And Andy is threatening, right, no, I'm done, I want to pull the plug. Yeah, well, but uh, I mean, Trey's probably thinking like, right, I've offered him this, I've offered him this, the, 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 the Guardian interview flop. I'm doing he my job. Yeah, he won't do Hotel Babylon. Thank God he's still got when the whistle blows to, to, to fall back on. He's, he's realised what Darren knew, which yeah. is that like, this guy is not helping himself. Thank God he's got this. And we can always just yeah. kind of like coast off this. But so so this like, is no. where, where, where um, Andy should be getting an insight that he is the common denominator in his failures, you know. 
yeah. rather than his agents. Yeah, and, and, well, exactly. And Trey does basically say to him, doesn't he? He, he says quite a cutting line. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's about Martin Scorsese. He yeah. says, I, I don't think Martin Scorsese is going to be sitting in his London hotel room watching TV and think, oh, that guy looks good. I wonder if I've got a wig that'll fit him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Something like that. And then he's well, like yeah. completely offended, something he would never be able to hear from Darren, firstly because he wouldn't say it, and then secondly because he wouldn't respect him enough to listen. Well, yeah. But and, and, it's, a, it's, the, it's the kind of catalyst for Andy that basically says, fuck it, I'm done then. Yeah. And, and, what's, and why has he picked Martin Scorsese? I reckon it's because Andy's had a conversation that wanted to be Robert De Niro with him. Yeah, maybe, but I mean... <laughs> That's um, why he picked that particular director. I think it's... Maybe, yeah, but I, I think Gervais in interviews and stuff in real life always mentions De Niro and Scorsese, like, they're the people that he kind of yeah, holds yeah, up. Yeah. Like that, that is respectable, legitimate as is Hollywood Andy. art. As is Andy. So that's yeah, well, yeah, yeah so they're basically the same person. <laughs> he just says, yeah. get me a Hollywood film. Do it. I'm in charge, you're the worker, get me a Hollywood film. And it's like, he doesn't see that like he's got any responsibility in his own career. But, yeah. I mean, it's not unfeasible that, that Andy, at this point, could have been, he could have been, he could have played the same role in the Extras universe that he did in Stardust, do you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he was, but, but Gervais actually did play in Stardust. But would he have wanted to do that? If he was, if, if Trey had been like, okay, there's a role in this Hollywood film where, in like a fantasy yeah, film, you're, you're playing Fat Little Comic Relief. Andy would have said, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah. That's exactly, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Jesus. We're back on the When the Whistle Blows set and Trey's recommendation has been accepted by Andy and we're doing an episode in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> the revival serum for any struggling sitcom. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is classic. <laughs> I do love the Spanish episode. It's probably, it's probably my favourite little bit of um, When the Whistle Blows. And it's got probably the funniest one-liner in the whole thing, fish. the fist stew. Yeah. <laughs> I've literally ordered fist stew and I don't even want it just for the joke. <laughs> but tragically, it is the last episode of When the Whistle Blows, though, yeah. right? Yeah, which is very, very sad. Um, and yeah, it's, it's pretty horrible, actually, and ignorant what, the way Andy does this, I think. Which bit? Are we talking about the way he um, sacks the uh, extra or the way he quits the show? Because they both. both happen now, don't they? He's or a bit both. of a prick in this scene. Yeah, but um, but yeah, the way he does it, and, and like it's kind of like he gets halfway through his little speech and then realises, oh, what am I doing? I'm being an idiot. Yeah. Like, you know, Do you get that impression? I feel like no. I, feel, I feel like he kind of regrets having insulted the public just because kind of he's a human and he like, sees yeah. that he's upset them all. But yeah. I don't think he actually thinks, oh, I wish I wasn't quitting now. Because otherwise no, he no, can just but, put it back but, and say, oh, it's just a joke. But I, I think, don't care. But I, I think like he's maybe expect, maybe thinking, oh, look, you know, this is my moment. This is me, you know, saying to everyone, I'm going to do better stuff. And, yeah. you know, and then the better stuff's going to come and all my career's going to all be brilliant. And actually, he's like, maybe when he looks out and sees all those sad faces after he says the Morns comment, it's a bit like, oh, oh shit, what am I doing? What am I doing? Well, he's always got that there's split that little in his look mind. On, there's that little look on his face. It's like, oh, whoops. what am I doing? No, yeah. he's always got that split in his mind because he's so insecure. So part yeah. of him is like, I'm bold, I'm breaking free. Then the other part of him is like, oh shit though, what if it doesn't work? I yeah. think it's more that, it's him latching onto that yeah. fear that, you know, what if this all goes wrong? Yeah. Which, of course, it does. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, an insecurity comes out in so many different ways. Like, he mm. kind of, the, the fact, the, the firing of the extra that comes up to and asks for a line, which is literally what he did in, yeah. well, that's how he got his big break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, and so, so, so that's kind of like, a, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's, it's not exactly subtle, it's a bit obvious, but it's a kind of very nice callback call to yeah. how he got his break. And also, and, he doesn't let Darren Brown, uh, Darren Brown, 
<laughs> Darren Brown. He doesn't let, uh, what's, what's his last name? Darren. Darren, Darren Lamb. Lamb. Darren he doesn't Lamb. let Darren Lamb. <laughs> you know, he basically says he's got to stay outside and there's a brilliant little slapstick moment when he's trying to jump over the barrier and it reminds me so much of the tone of Hello Ladies. Yeah. Steve Merchant. It's very, very good stuff. But, it's kind of, <clears throat> he screws over the extra, screws over Darren. The extra who, by the way, is played by, um, uh, he's got a Twitter account called, uh, where he plays like a, a, a dad called Martin Fishback. Have you ever seen those, no. those little Twitters? He, he got quite a big following over the, like, the lockdown, the pandemic. Okay. He's one of those people that kind of like, yeah, yeah, made, yeah. Like, released lots of kind of like, Twitter videos and he was playing like a kind of an awkward dad who was doing like Zoom calls to his son. And this is an extra playing an extra. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> it's always something quite meta about <laughs> But in some ways Andy's come a long way because, you know, he was really kind of beholden to Ian Morris at one point, right, in the earlier series. Yeah. He was yeah. like maker and breaker of his career and now he's happy to just jettison all of it and be really quite like immature and, and irresponsible because... You know, the BBC is one body you don't want to fuck over in this country. Yeah. But I also feel like the way he talks to... Is it Ian or Damon? Is it Ian? The no, it's Ian, yeah. 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 The way he's talking to Ian is kind of his pent-up frustration of like... I still think he holds it against Ian for having like ruined what could have been. Yeah, when maybe that's close. part of it. I think he's kind of just letting it all out, even though he's kind of maybe slightly regretting it in the moment. Mm. Yeah. He's, kind of, he's just like, this is just... You, you're the one that's ruined my baby. You represent kind of the the most kind of what he sees as kind of creatively insular, kind of like un, uncreative, unimaginative part of the BBC where you're just like, oh, let's just do a shit kind of like broad sitcom. Yeah. And yeah, and he still blames him for that. And you're kind of, proper like Team Andy, aren't you? <laughs> you know, I'm realising that no, more and more. No, you no, me no, 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 but no, what, Jack, no, no, but what really, I was about... You really advocate Franny Millman. You no, but what I was about to actually say is that <laughs> if you strip all that away, if you haven't watched Extras, Ian is completely right. Like, they've, they've made a sitcom. He came to him with a sitcom. He says, I've written a sitcom. They've made a sitcom. They've given him everything. Mm. This is what Ian's saying. Like, we've given you so much. We've kind of worked with you. You, you were yeah, basically yeah. nothing. You're a, a fat little extra. And also the idea <laughs> you had... five years old or whatever. The idea you had was never really going to work. The yeah. bigger, so we've given you something that was going to work we've yeah. brought you back down to where you actually belong but you know Andy actually he he nearly does this in a previous episode right he tra- he goes to rebel against yeah, yeah. against um, I- I- is it Ian yeah yeah he goes Ian to and Damon after, after it, are named Ian after the uh, in between yeah that's it yeah. yeah he goes to rebel against him but then at that point because he doesn't have all the viewing figures and numbers behind him yeah he backs down but this time, because he's got all the viewing figures and numbers behind him, and the new agent and everything, and this, he 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 follows through. He doubles down on his on what. Yeah, he's, he's really yeah. expecting like his career to kind of take off. He's thinking, "This is what's holding me back, and now I'm going to fly." When actually, we then later find out that that really wasn't what was holding him back at all. Like he could so easy have parlayed when the whistle blows into and something. And it puts um, Trey in quite an awkward position as well, because obviously Trey's going to have other clients. He's going to want to maintain a relationship with the BBC more than he's going to want to maintain one with Andy. Yeah. I mean, Andy's just one of his clients. If, yeah. you know, he's not going to choose that hill to die on. Well, yeah, exactly. So Andy's basically setting himself up to be completely on his own here. Yeah. So in, in a sense, there's almost like a, fe- uh, a feeling that I had of like the redemption arc there with, with when Brent tells Neil to fuck off because... It's not the same. But, but it, it, no, no, but it feels a little bit like that, but it's not because actually no. they're both no, villains. No, it's no. two villains. <laughs> no, what I'm trying to say is... <laughs> 
they're, they're, they're both in the wrong extras is quite good for that in, in, a, in a sense that yeah. there's no really there's not really like a hero and a villain all the characters have little have shades of both in them yeah 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 and then we tell you he's the hero and the villain anyway <laughs> <laughs> no, but Gervais Merchant have always done that like, like we've talked talk about Tim in the office yeah, like, yeah. He's, he's ostensibly the hero but like you, you can see like actually he was a bit of an arsehole he's a bit of a bully like you know he yeah. obviously kind of like and also bully, Andy, Andy, Andy said Tim as a bully <laughs> He bullies, bullies Gareth. Gareth. He's a bit, pa- yeah, and, he, and he's quite passive. But there's copped out on. Yeah, like, and, he, and, he, and, and the little comment he makes about going down into the warehouse, like he obviously feels superior to, to yeah, people. True, like yeah. he's, he, he's not like it. But then so does everyone. Like, you the know thing I mean? is, Andy's changing the rules of the engagement here, right? They both have agreed to put out when the whistle blows. And it, I mean, Ian's probably thinking, do you know what? This is a guy who's probably, he wrote a shit sitcom. He's probably happy to be in a shit sitcom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, know, you can't change the rules. Don't change the rules halfway through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and so he's understandably pissed off with him. Especially to do it like that. That's like... That's you really would never do that, right? That's it's mental. so unprofessional. Yeah, exactly. But, but but it's because he's allowed his frustrations to get the better of him where he thinks he has no other option. But like he hasn't even, from what we've seen, and I imagine it's true, he hasn't even tried to have a... Mi- if he just called a meeting with Ian yeah, and said, exactly. listen, can we end it and then I can maybe do something else? Or can we maybe start to try and turn it into... That's into not a slave, is professionalism. He's well, yeah, but that's what it is. It is literally like a professionalism. He's not a slave. He's not tied to it. He could perfectly well say... I want to do this and, and yeah. actually just and have, like you say, the conversation and, and the strategy of how they end it. Yeah. Whatever. And Maybe a, even a handover. An analog, a, a little analogy I can think of for this um, is you know the Harry Cornflake, that DJ. Yeah. Dave Lee Travis. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Harry <laughs> yeah. Cornflake. Now, now, was it him who, like, literally, he, he resigned on air in 1993 when Radio One had changed their policies? So that um, I think it might be. Yeah, yeah, there was definitely a DJ because they changed their policies. So they just said you can't play any old records anymore. You just got to play new stuff. I think he actually did what Andy Milman did. He actually literally like did a resignation speech on air and basically yeah. slagged off Radio One and just like walked away from them. So yeah, this, yeah. Where is he now? Yeah, yeah exactly. Got loads lined up over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what about me? Phone was also, <laughs> there was there was a, there was a wrestler as well, wasn't there? Um, CM Punk. Oh yeah, yeah. He basically recently, yeah. Did, did a whole like fuck with WWE or live. On air, oh, yeah, 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 and yeah. sat down for ages, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. protest. <laughs> yeah, so in Andy Milman's head, he's probably being you know, that's that's him, it's you know, hairy cornflakes slash CM Punk. But that's moment. what happens when you kind of get it in your head and let your frustrations build up and not actually kind of talk about it to, yeah, it's to, ego. To, 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 to the people ego. who you could be talking about. Like, he could easily, like I said, he could easily have had a meeting with uh, with with Ian. CM Punk could have had a meeting with the McMahons. With, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Harry Cornflake Harry could have had a meeting with someone. With, um, I don't know, director of the BBC. But he doesn't. He goes it alone, and then we get just a nice sequence of him yeah. sitting by the phone, it not ringing, he can't get through to Greg, getting you know so referred to back to Trey, sorry. And he get, yeah, getting referred back to the jobs that he turned down. Yeah, and then we end up seeing him on yeah. Doctor Who. And <laughs> straight cut. No, I'm not doing Doctor Who. Doctor yeah, who. boom, and it's, and it's, it's so funny. It's a perfect parody of Doctor Who. Because like, well, I remember when I first saw it, I'd never seen it with Doctor Who, and I thought, oh, this must be an exaggeration. Like they made it look cheap and shit. It's, yeah, it's not. not. If anyone's sitting at home, if you want, if you t- type in Peter K Doctor Who, you will see that Peter K's episode. It's worse than this. It's, <laughs> it literally uh, is it, worse. It, it literally, ah, uh, uh, man. And it, but, but it's so funny. And his performance as the slug, and like, yeah. he's properly like getting into the kind of the bad 
performance of it. You've got to be a really kind of a, a, a happy to have a laugh with your with your image and with yourself. Yeah. For example, Andy Millman is the type of character. No, we're talking about Gervais here, not Millman. Mil- Millman's hating it, but Gervais, his performance. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, as no, it's slow. I mean, I, I'm talking about Millman's resistance to going on a show. Like oh, that, oh, yeah, 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 Beneath yeah. him, but you've got to be the kind of. I, the point I was going to make is that Millman's the type of person who would never go on a show like Extras to make fun of his image. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, like, yeah. He, he can't even go on Doctor Who and play a slug for a day. You know, it's a slug. <laughs> Personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Greg loves it. Very convincing performance. <laughs> yeah. No, but that that is a brilliant Doctor Who parody. It's yeah. literally it is. It's very believable. Those those parts of the show. And know. then we don't see him actually on uh, Hotel Babylon, but he's dressed in a little bellboy suit. <laughs> I don't even know what Hotel Babylon is. But I, I remember it had uh, Max Beasley was in it. Okay. I think. I, yeah. Again, it's just, no just one of those, during a point when English TV was just, especially English drama, maybe not sitcoms, but English drama was at such like a low ebb. Mm. Yeah. I think uh, Milman as well, as you were saying, he, he he's not speaking it through with any of the people he could have talked it through with. And he's also ma- moving away from Maggie, who's always they're sort of counselled him in a, in a sense. He's sort of just going it alone with his ego now. Yeah. You know, it's, his ego is completely off the leash. No one's keeping it in check at all. Mm-hmm. Maggie kept it in check a little bit, you know. Yeah, and, and this is when he goes to meet Maggie, doesn't he, at his place of work, and she does kind of unload on him a little bit. And, and, just, he's, just, and he's just like... And just, well, that's yeah. the scene where it literally she encapsulates the entire theme of yes, extras. exactly. The, so not just this, this episode, but the entire show. Like, she basically said, you'll never be happy because you'll never be famous enough. Right. That's and, kind of yeah. it. That's, that's the whole and, thing in a nutshell. There's two comments. There's that one, and there's when Trey says, what do you want? Yeah, <laughs> Those yeah. two things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Precisely. Everything. But yeah. he's so dismissive of her as well. Like he's, he's genuinely a really, really awful friend. Now, not only is he a bad you know, professional, he's also a terrible friend. Because it's like, she's been on her feet all day he doesn't give a fuck he's she's just there as another extra to him i mean life. it wouldn't be it wouldn't be so bad if it was like an off like, everyone has off days everyone sometimes like, unlike you know unloads to their mates or sometimes kind of like doesn't really pay attention to what their mates are feeling because they're going through something as well but like we don't ever except for that one scene at the beginning mm. we don't see kind of the other side of him we don't see him him having fun of her because they're obviously not having fun of her so it's not just that the fact that at this one lunch date he's kind of like more worried about himself than he is about her but like, yeah, it's just that it's that's now become their relationship. He doesn't. He just completely doesn't give a shit. Doesn't know where she yeah. lives. Mm. Doesn't know what job she's no, doing. Exactly. Going to be a fun lunch. <laughs> <laughs> he's literally, like you say, he's completely absorbed in his ego by yeah. this point. The best bit about that though, when they arrive at the Ivy, and uh, did you notice a little cameo from Carl Pilkington? Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's, a, there's an, an extra on the DVD of like yeah. the day of the life of an extra, which is probably on YouTube now. But yeah, and, you, and, and it's a, like a little video diary of Carl Pilkington and his day on set of extras being an extra, and him just hanging out outside the, the yeah, yeah, set yeah. of the Ivy with all the people playing the paparazzi. <laughs> and Ricky gets a little, look at his round head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Gervais comes reference. out and starts taking a picture. Because I think a lot of the extras there. No, probably... no, no, in extras, in this. In oh, special, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. He references yeah, yeah. the Round head under his breath as he walks away from him. This is yeah, like nice round head, yeah, That yeah. was around like peak time when Gervais was utterly obsessed with Pilkin. <laughs> yeah, like get him in anything he can. Oh, yeah, that would have been before, <clears throat> like, um, what's it called, like Idiot Abroad and stuff. Obviously, it was after post XFM, but before it was around the podcasting time. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, after post XFM, which was around the time when Carl Pilkington really became like known to the general public, not yeah. just the XFM list. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But while um, Andy is kind of like complaining about his his lot in life and doing doing shit jobs on Doctor Who, we see. Um, Barry and Darren yeah. they're now working at the Carpet Warehouse yeah. and I have to say this actually kind of feels like where they're supposed to be yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Darren, 100% like the, the way he interacts with the customer and, like, <laughs> and she's loving it I think that this is kind of where 
he's kind of like found his lot in life. He's, he's found, found his, his position. level. Yeah, like, and, exactly. he's, and unlike, because he's a bit more of an optimist, uh, he's he's able to sort of look like he's kind of enjoying it. Yeah. Unlike Milman, who who you know found his level with when the whistle blows, but can't accept it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Darren yeah, yeah. Lamb genuinely looks like he, you know, he's just. Maybe maybe you'd just be happy there with yeah. Gaffney and I'd be happy there with those three. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a well observed like dance with, yeah. Yeah. with the Oh yeah. That's, that's my mum. Yeah. yeah. And is, and is he, <laughs> do they say whether or not he's like a manager or something? Barry's the manager. Barry's the manager. Because he's 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 cracking the whip on Darren when he's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. there's, there's a funny role reversal that yeah. Barry's yeah, 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 the yeah. manager. All right, give me a transplant on. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, cool. You could just imagine them in there, it's perfect. They can banter away all day with each other. Yeah. Back and forth. Little jokes, little Gaffney gets involved. It's, it's, I, I love it. That's like a real. There's a little island of optimism in a quite pessimistic. Yeah, yeah and the only time show. he seems embarrassed about it is when he bumps into Andy. Yeah, and that's the scene where then we hear Barry. Then Barry again. It's almost straight after Maggie's said the the, the line about you'll never be happy because you'll never be famous enough. And then Barry says the line about reminding him that fame is a mask that eats into the face. Yeah. But is that the first time he says it? I think so. Yeah, that's okay. the first time it's yeah. come up, but it's it's very poignant, isn't it? Because yeah. it's, the, it's the, the theme of the whole show. It's not the first time he's warned him, though, a little bit about Yeah, fame. no, he's definitely warned him. That's why I thought maybe they would meet him the line again. Yeah. yeah. No, the, no, that is the first time he said that line. Yeah, it's quite yeah, sweet, yeah. though, isn't it? Because when he, Andy and Darren meet again after you know the experience he's having with Trey, Andy is a little bit like... Not apologetic, but you get the sort of regretful tones from him a little bit. Like he's almost, I almost feel like he's, he would prefer to actually go back to Darren and be with Darren as a, as a, as a, you know, go back to the comfortable days because his life was never as bad as it is now. Well, there's always, there's always with, with Andy, there's always the humility under the ego, right? And it's just that the ego is, it's steering the ship at this point, Mm -hmm. but there's little cracks there's little cracks in the ego which make him make you think he's regretting his decisions. And I think Andy is the kind of person who kind of needed someone to vent to to, to take his frustrations out on and to feel like he needs someone who he feels is below him so that it was in this yeah, exactly. it ends up what he does with Maggie but before he, Maggie didn't really notice it because he would do it to Darren instead. He would kind of have a go at Darren and take out his frustrations out on him and now he doesn't have that. that yeah, he can't do it to Trey because he knows Trey's above him. So he's doing it all to to does it to, to Maggie. Maggie instead, but I think he yeah. kind of like the, even if Darren wasn't the best agent, ha- having him as like a, a not a sounding board, but like someone who he could take his frustrations out sort of on, vent to, yeah. yeah, and vent to was kind of probably a benefit to him in 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 showbiz and yeah. in the position he was in. And, and also, don't forget, Andy's in free fall at this point. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He's literally he can't get through. Even he can't even get through to his agent now. Well, no, yeah, exactly. So yeah. do you know what I mean? At least Darren was always there, and I think he says that at some point, doesn't he, in the episode? You know, no, Barry, Barry says at least he was no- loyal. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Be careful, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, which then, which then comes to a, and his frustrations come to a head when they go back to the Ivy, and then he he, he can't get in. Can yeah, he? Exactly. and that's when he bumps into Gordon Ramsay. But then he sees that then Greg obviously can easily swan in because obviously he's the toast of the oh, town that's now. That's terrible, isn't it? He just walks straight past him. He's and he knows that then him. that's where... And he gets told that he's snowboarding as well, right? Yeah, which yeah. Is the same thing he heard him say to Richard Curtis <laughs> earlier on in the episode, yes. which is... Yes. You know, Richard Curtis is the biggest celebrity that fucking Andy Millman is. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's just but, sick of him ringing up and but, going on about Africa. But that Richard Curtis was probably a um, Ridley Scott moment. Yes. I suspect. <laughs> I bet he wasn't even on the phone. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. That's yeah, maybe. Fair. And if he was, maybe that's who Andy Millman shouldn't have been burning his bridges with. Yeah, yeah. Like he could have been, like him if he'd got a part in a Richard Curtis film, that'd have been great. That'd have been perfect. Yeah. But instead, he's like, yeah, turning him down and just telling him how annoying he is. In two thousand and seven, I would have probably tried to get in with Simon Pegler. Yeah, yeah. They were riding a wave, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they crossed over, right? They'd come from cult. 
sort of spaced, which was brilliant. One of my favorite yeah. comedies of all time. But they were they were really riding that wave of Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, that, yeah. and then that was that. That's a dream the career. Where then that becomes big in America, and then you kind and of and then they were they were still the, they were still the cool kids. You know, yeah. Simon Pegg's maybe gone a bit Hollywood, but he's still I don't know. He's still managed. Hollywood. He's still managed. He hasn't massively. He hasn't really. He's, he, it's it's that he, classic thing of he hasn't got a funny bone in his body anymore. Like is he yeah. like writing Star Trek now over there? Doesn't he like write the films? I think he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen it. Yeah, and he looks a bit stiff these days. Doesn't he? Yeah, he's a bit stiff, and he's kind of obviously had. Hey, to, he's kind of. Um, <laughs> I don't even know that he's kind of necessarily like hit the gym, but like he kind of has to look after himself because he does Mission Impossible and stuff, and he's obviously getting older and stuff as yeah. well. So like he's kind of he, he don't out. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what it looks like. When yeah, he, yeah. he was doing interviews for the new for the new um, what's it called uh, Mission Impossible, and his mm. face was a bit slimmer and he had a bit of like a jawbone on the, the jawline, mm. and yeah. he kind of was wearing like more tight fitting t shirts. Yeah. It's just like, come on, Peg, you should wear tight shirts. I remember you in Big Train. You had yeah. no hair. <laughs> Your hair was thinning. Remember you as the Milky Market. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but 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 in extras, yeah, Milman kind of like his frustrations about everything just comes to a head and he storms in. He knows Trey's in there. He storms in. So well, hang on, before he gets there, because he's trying to get in for a while and he can't even get in with Gordon Ramsay's help. He refuses to even help him. He meets him outside. Well, yeah, the door, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he does a what he did to Hale and Pace, like we said before. Yeah. Just on that, I love that moment with Gordon Ramsay. He's such a, a <laughs> wonderful little moment because I'm a huge Gordon Ramsay fan. I think he's amazing. Yeah. I love Kitchen I love Nightmares. Yeah, I think everything he does is brilliant. You <laughs> kitchen Nightmares. Kitchen Hell. Genuinely, not even ironically. I just, I, honestly, I just think he's such good value on telly. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Um, so yeah, this was, it was an absolute treat because I think I've seen Ricky Gervais in Hell's Kitchen as well, like as a guest. Yeah, you know, yeah, been, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Again, he's one of those people that he's just made yeah, it, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah, sorry, I just wanted to touch but on that. I, I always find, I still find... Ramsey's performance is, is, is woefully bad and stunted. <laughs> if you watch it carefully, he's, he's really awkward and kind of, but it is funny. Yeah, but you forgive it, exactly. It doesn't really matter. But it's, it? it's so bad that it's funny. It's yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and when Paul Greg goes in as well, I think he says, oh, something like you said, Danny, like, I saw he was a slug, very convincing. <laughs> and, and Norman does a little cheap, like, not a cheap shot, but like his only return is, it was a space serpent. <laughs> <laughs> but also, Ramsey mentioned something about the girdle poppy. So oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. There must be, like, everyone knows. Everyone in the show is in that London society, yeah. But yeah, I forgot that Greg was there with Trey. When it's actually Greg that suggests celebrity with brother, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yes, it is. Yeah. So he's the one that completely brings Andy down. Well, that's that's the worst part, isn't it? Andy has to not only he's not only confronted with the fact that he's he's in stasis because he's not made a decision. He's holding himself up. He has to make that decision in front of Greg, like the most vulnerable he's ever been. In yeah, front yeah, of yeah. the one person he cannot be vulnerable in front of mm. at all. So that just sort of illustrates how broken he is and how low he's feeling. Um, yeah, that must have been a very hard conversation. I'd much yeah. rather have a client that'll do anything to get on telly than someone who's bothered <laughs> with the, you know, dignity and all the rest of it. But yeah, again, that's the kind of it, it, this scene is the kind of the crux of he's offered fame and fortune or integrity and respect and. Yeah, he takes fame and fortune Absolutely. for some reason. The but, 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 but in real life, obviously, there's a way to have the integrity. Like, if you've got integrity and respect, but not the fame and fortune in on TV and in films and stuff, you're still getting a, a lot of money. Like, you're still, yeah. you're, still, you're still getting some fame. Yeah, exactly, yeah. This, the point is, it depends on whether you're prepared to work for it and wait for it. 
right? If, you, if, yes. if, you're not, if, if you're not interested in either, then the only option is things like Big Brother because it's instant gratification and you throw the dice on it. Whereas if you actually want to have a serious career and you want to be polishing your Oscar, maybe think about oh. doing it in 20 years. Think about it. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> a very unfortunate choice given Kelly Cape episode. But yeah, no, you're right, Jack. If you think about it, if the guy who plays Mrs. Brown, I can't remember his name. Yeah. yeah. Let's say tomorrow he came out and said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a new project and it's going to be a serious I'm drama. I'm in the new Mike Lee film or something. You'd give him a chance, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah exactly. Why yeah. not? There's yeah. nothing to... There's I, nothing... I would be a bit distressed by the fact they'd done Mrs. Brown's Yeah, but there's no so indication long. in Mrs. Brown's... He looks a lot very different. Have you ever seen him in real life? He, well, seems, yeah. quite, he seems quite smart, actually. When he comes, yeah. he comes across quite well on, on TV shows and stuff. But there's no indication in Mrs. Brown's Boys that he couldn't do serious drama. Well, yeah, exactly. He, yeah, might, yeah. he might be a yeah. really talented actor. We don't and I know. Ne- I never understand, like, because there's obviously, there's Millman's in real life. There's people that have kind of got shit careers and they kind of want to turn it around, even though they're kind of, they're famous. Mm. They obviously kind of, they want to be treated with more respect and like have a bit more integrity. But you, you think, like, it would be so easy for you now. You've got a bit of money in the bank. Why don't you just be like a smaller part in a kind of respectable British film? The new the next Shea yeah. Meadows film, whatever. Like, what's kind of what? Just all you got to do is kind of you you got to step like to the side of the ladder and then a big except going a few rungs down and then you kind of work your way back up again. It doesn't seem hard, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And it's it's sort of recognizing that you you can't jump on the top of the ladder straight away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's the thing. He doesn't even get. The fact what acting's all about, and it comes back to the Ian McKellen one a little bit. He's yeah. not the characters he plays. He's not. Yes, know, yeah, he's, yeah. He's perfectly capable to write a shit sitcom, yeah. and then write something else, and then write something else, and then one day get where he's looking to get. But he's got to constantly be pushing for it and working for it. He can't just. It's not, I think that's the problem. He thinks everything's going to be just given to him. Yeah, he wants to get where he was. Well, because it, I mean, it was essentially. I mean, obviously, he kind of had to work at being an actor. He didn't get his big break until he was forty-five. But instantly, he gave Patrick Patrick Stewart the script. The script gets greenlit, and he's on. Yeah. He's, a, he's the lead of a hit sitcom. Whereas he probably thinks that like, okay, so that should be just as easy to go into drama, shouldn't it? But, but you know what? As it turns out, this conversation is exactly what he needed to hear. As painful as it is, it yeah. puts him in big yeah, brother, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's when he gets the shock of his life. Yeah, <laughs> that's when yeah he goes as you said earlier, Jack. He goes into hell, right? Yeah, yeah. He goes into hell of what the the, the sharp end of of you know selling out for fame is really really Absolutely. about. Yeah. And we essentially get a series of scenes where it's just kind of one after the other, just like he kind of descend lower and lower. And lower. <laughs> yeah. At first, he's kind of just observing everyone else be a twat around him. And then there's the, the, the pivotal bit is when they're having to kind of do rank a task where they rank themselves. Yeah. And at first you think he's going to be like, oh, I, I really don't care about where I am. But instead he goes, I don't care about where I am, but I don't want to be below her. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then he, he's that's when it. he's getting into yeah. it. Yeah. And he's kind of forgotten, forgotten the, the cameras are on. He's forgotten about his kind of respect and his dignity. And yeah. he's like, he's not, he's no better than Lisa Scott Lee. I <laughs> love the celebrity versions of Big Brother because they always go in with such kind of um, fragile egos and like perceptions, mm. monitoring of their own life. So, I did think when he was in there, though, he was, like, quite himself. Do you know yes. what I mean? Yeah, he yeah, yeah, of, he yeah. Was, he went in purely yeah. as Andy. He, 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 he wasn't even thinking about trying to get the best out of it. He just sort of went in completely as Andy. No, but he goes in, obviously, with a superiority complex. Yeah, and maybe he's like, yeah, I am better him. than everyone here. Yeah. But he's not trying to look good. No, no, he just wants to get, he wants to get as far as he can, get the money and then go. Yeah, and he is quite, he, do, he is kind of like looking down at people and patronising them. Like yeah. when Jun Sarpong calls him up, that is literally what he's just done. Yeah, like you know, he said when he says, "Oh, you know, I just saw you make porridge and you 
Got got <laughs> I don't know how Kate Avery got started. <laughs> I always thought June Sarpon. I mean, I don't know how many people like if we've got American listeners or people who are under the age of like twenty five, they might not know who a lot of these people are, like Chico or Lisa Scott Lee, like especially Lionel Blair. He was even before our time. But like June Sarpon always seemed like an odd T4, person, wasn't she? Yeah, but she was T four. But she was also like she was also she was always quite. Um, quite a, uh, a face in kind of like um, a diversity kind of television and kind of being, right. be, be, being, she was kind of like the, the young kind of black face for, for b- b- British, <laughs> British youth television. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. definitely remember yeah. And even now, well, now she's BBC's director of creative diversity. So like, well, and, and, and she's got, and she's got an OBE for her kind of charity work. So like she, kind but, of, then, but then I suppose you've, you've always got to remember in extras there, they're playing fictionalised. Yeah, no, yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So, it, so they're ramping up the patheticness of a character who's yeah. not necessarily pathetic in real life, you know. Um, but like someone like Lisa Scott Lee is pathetic in real yeah, life, yeah. right? And but it's, it felt like they could have gone for someone who was kind of maybe slightly lesser than June Tyler. I, I like that there's a, that they put in a mix as well of real like tragic yeah, celebrities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, there's this made-up Abby Titmus type character. Yeah, who's yeah, just, who's yeah, just the, yeah. the 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 nut zoo. Kind of, that was massive at that time, wasn't yeah. it? You know, I mean, she 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 got her fame through a, through a really horrible Sex trial. Type. Yeah, but then also attached to John Leslie, who's being accused of some pretty horrible stuff at the time. She got yeah. she got fame through that. Yeah, just because she happened to be the the His girlfriend, the girlfriend of a celebrity rapist, basically. basically yeah, <laughs> alleged. And there is a kind I mean, of weird sort of twisted reality thing here because Lionel Blair was literally on Big Brother a couple of years later, dancing around exactly the same. Yeah, but way. he was such an obvious like they must have been thinking why haven't Celebrity Brother got him already? It blends reality for me a little it, bit. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it bends my mind because you think at some point Lionel Blair must have been off of the gig to play a fictionalised version of himself <laughs> in Big Brother as a parody in a sort of edgy meta kind of idea yeah. and done, all right, I'll do that. And then a few years later, oh, do you want to do the actual show now? But yeah, All right, I'll do that. I don't know which one's which. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that whole thing with Lionel Berry is a good cautionary tale for Andy as well, isn't it? Because he lies back and he says, oh, you've been doing this for 40 years, you know, you know, why are you, why are you bothering and all this? And he's like, I've got to keep the profile up. And yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. fucking hell, if I do carry on down this road, this is me. You yeah. know what I mean? Tap yeah, dance. Right. Something yeah, I look forward to death. There's something, there's something <laughs> that they really amp up that. Again, the, the the more is more idea in, in in extras, but they really ramp up the hellishness of Big Brother. It's not yeah. far off the real deal, but just turned up to eleven. Just like that scene with Clive Owen, where or whatever his name is, <laughs> it's not far off what it's like to be as a real extra, but just yeah. ramped up to eleven. It's like the hell of Lionel Blair just constantly dancing, <laughs> yeah. never yeah. stops, and then finally just pulls his back out and just like, yeah. deteriorating in front of your eyes. You I know? imagine that Ricky and Steve love Celebrity Big Brother because oh, there's so perfect. many references yeah. in this. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a bit when Andy's in the garden looking up at the camera. I'm pretty sure that's a shot-for-shot shot remake of Les Dennis. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 was yeah, out yeah. There, right? Obviously, they were aware of that for the Les Dennis episode, but that sort of, it's so perfect for this type of show. I almost feel like you couldn't do this type of show without at least referencing that reality bubble at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but the, the, the entire show ending with him on Celebrity Brother is kind of like the perfect yeah. little uh, pinpoint for it. Yeah. Celebrity Big Brother was the, per- yeah, it was the perfect conclusion to his arc, you know, as a yeah. character. Um, that's kind of where he needed to if go. If you're going to be in rock bottom, that's where you'll be. Yeah. <laughs> He's hit rock bottom. <laughs> yes, he has. No offense to all of our friends that have been on Celebrity Big Brother, Sean and... Um, <laughs> 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 have you guys seen the new advert, by the way, with Sean Williamson and uh, Peter Crouch? No. 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 Oh, look it up when you get home. Shout look out. it up when you get home. Look at one thing, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's killing it, because basically it's... it's 
Feet and Crouch is exactly the same height as Steve Merchant for a start, right? <laughs> yeah. and it's them two in a club trying to pull some girls. Wow. Uh, so it's very. It's... I wonder if they actually tried to get Merchant. And Maybe. They said, no, I mean, like Crouch. Well, no, because I think do. the girl that they're trying to pull is actually Peter Crouch's girlfriend. Oh, it's a, thing. Okay. It's a, it's a yeah. bet three six five advert, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but it sounds like Crouch. No, you love it. Always dignity. But the big thing about this um, Big Brother special is essentially the big speech. And he has enough. He realizes what the fuck am I doing, and just starts talking. Really, he doesn't start off with it being a big speech. He just starts really reflecting on yeah. himself, doesn't he? Yeah, it feels like one of his first moments of from the heart, where he's dropped the ego for a moment. Yeah, realizes he's been a twat. Yeah, been brought. Big Brother actually humbles him. Yeah, the hell of that. Ha- I mean, because it would be hell, wouldn't it? For me, for how I am as a person, I couldn't imagine anything worse well, than being in a house yeah. in yeah. some sort of weird performative mode constantly hyper aware of these cameras where you have to hand in your dignity at the door exactly yeah. where you have to hand in your dignity at the door and play those kind of games that's like the, the bottom layer of hell yeah, yeah, yeah passing yeah. that ball between their legs dancing like yeah. and he does he gets up and he says you know that the victorian freak show never went away and that's so true right the, 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 there's been a lot more of a focus in the last sort of 10 years on some of those early rounds in X Factor yeah, 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 yeah. and some of the sort of the way that posts um, support is given to people who are on Love Island and Jerry oh, yeah. Kyle show. This is what I was going to say. I think that this is a very much a speech of its time. Mm. But I think it's but, ahead of its time. I would well, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also think, like, like you said, they kind of there's a lot more kind of focus on kind of not kind of taking the piss out of the public so much now. I think there's someone that said like that there was some. Uh, producer of the BBC but said things like Brass Eye or like Borat wouldn't you just couldn't do them anymore like those mm. that kind of prank TV so you kind of you can't take the piss out of the public there would be aftercare for, for, for people that are on X Factor and you, Love Island and you stuff. can't take the piss out of people who haven't so kind of signed up for it yeah exactly and, and they, they, they don't reel people out as a joke as a novelty act in, on stuff like X Factor quite so much I mean our friend Ashwin was literally <laughs> oh, yeah. was was what was he was a pro, he was around that time. Wasn't a little it? shout out uh, at last Ashwin hero. Yeah, yeah, our friend who was in X Factor several times. Yeah, and and uh, but it's the fact that they kept weeding him out over and over again though, and they yeah. did that with quite a few people that used to come back. They had no hope of getting through, yeah, yeah. and there was basically, yeah, I, I, I mean I, I don't want to say, but but yeah, they were they, they were definitely guilty of just sort of weeding people out. But even aside from that, I feel yeah, like the whole, because this, this speech is kind of quite kind of broad yeah, spanning. Right? He, 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 that, he yeah. has a go at uh, the, the television community as a whole, kind of taking the, like, yeah. manipulating the public, but he also has a go at celebrities who kind of want that and feed on it and are just desperate yep, for fame. And the papers lap it up. They follow us around and most people think we're important and that makes us think we're important. If they stopped following us around taking pictures of us, people wouldn't take to the streets going, oh, quick, I need a picture of Cameron Diaz with a pimple. They wouldn't care. They'd get on with something else. They'd get on with their lives. And you open the paper and you see a picture of Lindsay Lohan getting out of a car and the headline is, cover up, Lindsay, we can see your knickers. Of course you can see your knickers. Your photographer is lying in the road pointing this camera up her dress to see her knickers. You're literally the gutter press. And fuck you, the makers of this show as well. You can't wash your hands of this. You can't keep going, oh, it's exploitation, but it's what the public want. No, the Victorian freak show never went away. Now it's called Big Brother or X Factor, where the plenary rounds, we wheel out the bewildered to be sniggered at by multi-millionaires. And fuck you for watching this at home. Shame on you. And shame on me.
I think this this speech, a lot of people, the younger generation will go, well, yeah, we know all that, it's a given. Well, exactly, you know? yeah, yeah. But at the time, it was a very kind of poignant, like people, yeah. this was saying a lot of kind of what people, and it's not like people were afraid to say it, there'd been loads of kind of like people, it's true. like articles and stuff about this kind of thing. Oh, but, the, but the critique of, of that, you know, cult of celebrity thing. Yeah, was, it's not like running parallel with it the whole time. It's, yeah, it's exactly. calling out something that wasn't being called out enough at the time, basically this, right? I think it is, it, nowadays, like you say, taking it for granted, it's a, maybe self-evident, you'd think. Yeah. But actually, at the time it wasn't people weren't as independent as a celebrity they were much more dependent on channels and commissions and yeah. deals and things but like nowadays when like i don't know nigel farage or someone goes on celebrity big brother that's kind of all oh, kind oh, of dear. like but what what milman is saying in this speech is kind of almost like it's, it's wrapped into it, into it and we kind of expect it and so we kind of just don't I even think, it's not worth saying i think we're desensitized to the absurdity yeah, exactly. of it now as well i mean and also and you know the floodgates have opened for anyone to sort of be a a, a celebrity in a sense you know just a, a face or you know anyone can do a bloody podcast you know for <laughs> you know, this yeah. is, and this put is... a microphone in a cup and, and you know yeah, and, and you, you <laughs> Victorian preacher never went away it's Daniel you can't, you can't excuse yourself either listeners you're all part of this <laughs> <laughs> you know this is this is Andy's Tim and Dawn moment though right this yes, is yeah, a yeah, huge yeah. redemption for him really you know he's been through all this mm. he's put people through worse and now he's in a position where he's actually going to try and repent for it and actually apologise and he does he looks to the camera directly and he's so remorseful about the way he's treated Maggie and he's he's crying and it's actually an amazing performance by Gervais probably I would say the best performance in extras from Gervais yeah I would say so but also because we haven't mentioned it, also there was the earlier scene in Celebrity Big Brother when Big Brother he goes and the Big Brother says is there anyone right. outside you're missing and he's kind of looked into the camera he doesn't say it but we know it's because he's thinking of Maggie yeah. so like he's realised in this that like strip everything away because like he's gone into Big Brother without kind of any kind of amenities or like any kind of like any any of his kind of um, the trappings of fame except for obviously being on television and what he misses is Maggie and being able to chat shit with Maggie. Yeah and it's actually there's almost eye contact with him and Maggie yeah. through a lens which is interesting because that's like his TV persona connecting with her yeah, in a way yeah. that it never has before. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's really quite clever the way that they have their Reconciliation via a telly. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like the rec reconciliation at the end. It's mm. really nice. Okay, the height of Andy's speech, he decides that's enough and just walks out. I mean, he, he gets what's her name? Abby Titmus' character that wants yeah. to come with him, but completely yeah. misses and the point. And he's got a letter. He's about yeah. to yeah. letter for a yeah, Of course, he's happy. He doesn't matter. For him, but <laughs> she's completely missed the point because she wants to put on a bikini first. So he goes out solo. Yeah. But, and it's kind of, it sort of reminds me of the end of the Truman Show, this bit. Because the when uh, when he leaves and says is, you know, good afternoon, good in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Yeah. Because all the way like everyone's like watching and waiting and they're all kind of cheering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they just yeah. turn over and start watching something else. You're right. I, it's I, really I, kind of, I kind of think it's not just like that. Yeah. The way I mean, he just disappears as well. And I think that's the idea. Like, and Andy knows that as well. Like, there's, yeah. the, there's the press conference there, but if he goes out into that press conference, he's only kind of like repeating the cycle. He's kind of he, he's yeah. he's, al he's allowing the kind of the, the the idea of fame and fortune and the kind of press adulation to kind of suck him back in again. Do and he's like, no, no, I've been burned now. I've learned my lesson. Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. think he was adamant that he wasn't going to go out into the press thing the whole time Trey was talking to him? Because I felt like when Trey said, "Oh, you know, get your cash books out, everybody, get your you know your checkbooks out," that's when he sort of thought, mm, "Actually, maybe I should just fuck this." I got the impression this time that kind of like he was because he does seem a bit optimistic. He does seem a bit happy about it when Trey's like, "Okay, so yeah, you're exactly. going to go, out, you're going to talk to him," and, he, and he's like, "Yeah, cool." But I think now watching it back I think obviously I know what he's about to do so I was mm. thinking that maybe 
he was kind of leading Trey on. Yeah, yeah. I thought that he was so playing then he could, then he yeah. could just kind of nip out the door about that him. That makes sense. Because yeah. if he spent the whole time going, I'm not so sure, then Trey's going to be like, fucking hell. Poor old Trey, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the one thing that Andy's actually done to try and further his career and actually help him get going. He then... And I feel like it's supposed to be a bit of like a, uh, a comeuppance for, for Trey. Like it's he's, supposed he's, to be, isn't it? Yeah, but again, like he's a character that he doesn't really need to come up and so yeah. He hasn't really done anything apart from maybe kind of like... Screw over Darren. He just, he but, just, but, but, but he doesn't mate. really screw over Darren. I think the worst thing he does in the whole episode is try and suggest that Andy go out with these kind of like... He's sleazy. But page yeah, page three, sleazy, like slackers. Yeah. yeah, nowadays yeah. he'd probably be cancelled. But, you know... And also avoiding <laughs> Andy. You ghosted him, basically, didn't he? I mean, I mean but, yeah, he did he? But he's a busy man. He's got other clients. He's got, he's got Greg. He, yeah. he, he can't just spend every single waking moment worrying about Andy. But, he's not you know, a conversation would suffice. He could say, look, well, yeah. this is your problem. This is why I'm not talking to you. Sort it out, otherwise we and me are over. But you hear horror stories all the time about people who's like, my agents just like stopped responding to me. Like they got, yeah, that's right. My, my career kind of went down and they got more important clients and kind of like you, you're not like not, not, not every kind of person who has an agent is it that agent's beck and call <coughs> you know what I mean? maybe that's it's, just it's, the way it is I guess yeah. I guess it is it's, okay this is not quite the same thing but it's like new people that think like oh I'm signed up with this recruitment agency and they're not finding me a job yeah exactly but yeah. they forget the recruitment agency's job their, their responsibility is to the company to fill the job not to you to find you a job yeah exactly and I yeah, guess yeah. like with these agents alright their responsibility is a bit more to the star but if you're a star that can't get any work yeah, it's not their responsibility to just make your career for you. Well, because the way you they make to... the way they make money is by <clears throat> taking the uh, the the cut of what the person gets paid. So, like, yeah, if exactly. they're not going to get paid, then especially if you're self sabotaging your own career, why yeah, help you? exactly. It's yeah. your responsibility to make, like you know with the job to get yourself <clears throat> the skills to make yourself saleable. It's not the recruitment. It's not the recruiter's responsibility. And likewise, it's not the agent's responsibility to make his career him saleable so that he can get these jobs. But he just expects him to. So, so that's entitlement. And he gets himself maybe to back to your homophobic point, Danny. A little bit of backdoor action and yeah. leaves through uh, <laughs> yeah. the emergency exit and yeah. drops into Maggie's car. Uh, Truman Show. Yep, yeah, he just leaves. Just um, um, but we just we see them go to the airport. So this is a question, okay. right? This is something my dad is convinced of, and I don't know if any of you guys feel the same. Is this a platonic or a romantic ending to the show? I think it's platonic. Platonic. I think it is just an ending, and that's all that matters. Like, <coughs> no, we, okay. we, we don't. We honestly, I mean, are you supposed to think that they're going to go off and become a couple? No, no, I don't think so. No, no. I don't think so. I think, I think it's I'd one. I'd like to, but I don't what does your dad think? He thinks that it's a romantic thing. No, you know, but uh, uh, I think that's the kind of obvious read on it. Like, do you think it's obvious though? I think I think to, to most people they, they they see the end of a story and they see the boy and the girl riding off together, they think, okay, so that means they're in a relationship. But the Whereas, one but the one nice thing about extras is that Andy and Maggie were always platonic. Yeah. And they explored that idea of platonomy like the the Greek Stoic philosophers were rated platonomy uh, being platonic sorry, blech, can't spit my words out. <laughs> The Stoic philosophers had this idea that friendship was the highest form of relationship. It was the best form of relationship. It's without some of the complexities of romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And I always think that, that it's nice in extras that Maggie and Andy's relationship is purely platonic. And you can see how how beautiful a platonic relationship can be. It can be yeah. the highest form of relationship. And I always like the idea, I think I said this earlier, but just to reiterate, I love the idea of thinking they went off and got a house together somewhere, lived separate lives, talked about their dating life and everything, were happy with whoever was going, but just had that really solid so, yeah. platonic relationship. I they, like that. Do you think they went back, maybe not to a romantic relationship, but, but they went back to the, 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 the fun relationship they had in this area? Yeah, I think they did. Yeah, I think the idea is that Maggie's forgiven him. 
and she kind of has seen it as like a little blip in their relationship. Yeah. And and also, Gervais and Merchant always seemed like they were quite proud of the fact that it was a platonic relationship. Agree, yeah. They never even threatened to go into... into um... oh, Danny's tapping the book. Danny, thoughts? What did he say? Uh, there is a bit of a smoking gun. In oh, God, here we go. Smoking gun. Go on. Big, uh, remember the bit where he said, would you rather live on your own in a cold flat or after five years move in together? Well, there you go, yeah. Oh, See, that, so that's probably cool. And another, one, that, and another one. What about when she put on the dress... And she looked beautiful, and he looked at her, and his look was like, "Yep." No, his look, his look wasn't. I'll have some of that. His look was just like, "My friend looks nice." Yeah, I think that's, do what, you think that's what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah I think I think that, that we jump to the sexual aspect too much and move into yeah. it. doesn't mean it's a, not a sexual scene. It's not a sexual. But yeah, what you were saying. That's actually. I, I never thought that. I never, yeah, caught, I never caught that before, Danny. Yeah, that that probably is supposed to be. It probably maybe is supposed to be a callback to that, but it doesn't necessarily mean romance. No, exactly. And also, when Steve Sherwood comes in and says, "This the missus." Um, you know, it's like Definitely why does the idea not. repulse you? And you're, you, the viewer, all speaking. Yeah, why does the idea so, yeah. so repulse you? Well, <laughs> what's interesting with Gervais is he's such a <clears throat> asexual character. Yeah, yeah, yeah he is. That uh, it's hard. I, I, it's hard to see him as as like a romantic kind of guy. Yeah. Imagine if Ricky, if Andy Millman had been played by. Uh, Clive Owen you'd be thinking yeah that's a romantic ending <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah, everything yeah. he did would yeah. be so suave you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's whisking well, off into the sunset I think even if Gervais was trying to play as romantic it would still look more platonic because yeah. he just doesn't play a romantic even when he's in yeah. a film where his love interest is Jennifer Garner like he can't doesn't he, work. he can't just summon up any kind of like romantic uh, chemistry can he none it is weird isn't it how he lives yeah. in this kind of parallel universe where he just doesn't have that Air about him. No, it's very strange. I don't think anybody. I can't think <laughs> well, of parallel to your world where they're all falling at your feet. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, no, but like is, any actor, think of another this actor. Is the whole incel. Yeah, I know. I know what you, Do you mean. Know what I mean, yeah. it's just it's bizarre. But like, he must have the urge, or is he actually gay? Who, Gervais? No, 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 no. No, I'm talking about I'm Gervais. Talking, I'm talking about Annie Milne. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm saying Gervais is like a, an actor, just doesn't kind of... He doesn't have he that doesn't sexual have that romantic vibe. yeah. vibes to him, do you know yeah, what I mean? Sexual but can you, but, sexual but can you use that as an argument against him getting with Maggie in the end? Because ultimately, Matt Milne is a character, assuming he's not gay, must presumably still have the urges. Well, he, he does, because we see, we, he tries to go out with that um, religious, like Christian lady, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, and he, he, tries to, to... he tries to hit on the girl that's moving into his flat. And yeah, he, exactly. He doesn't have to have it. He just doesn't fancy Maggie. Yeah, but but just Maggie's not his type. Yeah, but and also you. Well, he doesn't go... want. To. He doesn't want to ruin the relationship. Whatever. Maybe they just. They just not. They don't even need to speak about the fact that they just don't see each other that way. Yeah. And th- th- you do get sometimes couples who aren't really. Cu- they're just friends. They're like sexless couples. They're yeah. like we live together. We do everything mm-hmm. together. There's that's, no romance, but we're basically people will call us a couple because we practically are. That, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. called getting married. <laughs> <laughs> questions so reached the end of the episode and uh, it's the part that everyone's looks forward to most of all i hope the uh, the quiz Woo! Yeah, the, the final festive, quiz the festive quiz yeah the final quiz of the office and extras you know i mean you know i might be ending the show who knows who knows if we'll make a podcast on something else at some point but certainly as far as extras is concerned this is it so right hang on a minute danny there was a bit of confusion because in the last episode i think there was a mild commitment that i might do the quiz but but you, you've, you've but you've, you haven't you haven't done it. <laughs> no, but that's because you did it. You just steamed ahead and did it. I just don't want to disappoint you, really. A lot's changed in a year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but a lot. Has and of course, the the, the life, listeners were on tenterhooks waiting for James. Exactly. Yeah, so they, sorry, they to, remembered. sorry to disappoint <laughs> anyone also, out there. Also, listeners, the fact of the matter is, it, the scores are Seth two, Jack two, James two. So Ooh. James, if James did the quiz, he would effectively be removing himself from the competition. That's why I didn't do it. Good point. <clears throat> yes. So is that right? I thought that the whole. I thought that. James was going to do it because he had let he he was he was in the lead. 
he's not in the lead anymore. It's two 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 this okay, well, series. So yeah, so two two two. So yeah, so whoever basically whoever wins today will be a clear winner. Whereas obviously if James did the quiz, we could have ended up in a very messy what? situation with that. Could we might, we, we uh, might go even, some. We might, <laughs> this is the best idea. <laughs> we might even have needed a tiebreaker quiz. Which so yeah. So, so so what do we win? What's the big What's the big prize? Is there anything? You win no. Oh, I can't, okay. I can't afford a prize, Danny. You've had five and a half years to see the final prize. <laughs> I, this is no, what we get. Your prize is you get to say you're the quiz champion. All right, all right. I'll do. Get just on with it. Was, was, was there a prize for Finchie's quiz? No. It's the fact that you can say you could win it X years in a row. They must have a prize. prize. Do they not get a prize? No. I don't no. remember one. No, no, they didn't get yeah, a prize. Yeah, they didn't. Actually, yeah, actually, yeah. No, because everyone would have to fund a prize, wouldn't they? And where would that come from? So they <laughs> so it's just for living crisis. This is all for the yeah. glory. <laughs> it's this is just, just for glory. Yeah, okay. just for glory. Just for fun. Fine. Just for fun. Just for glory. Well, just for glory. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> let's not go too far. <laughs> so whoever wins this is the series two champion, and that's that. All right. Isn't whoever wins this though the ultimate quiz champion of the whole thing? And that's the real quiz. Just series two, because what? obviously because series two, <laughs> oh because, because, that's what I mean. I because, think that's why I think because right. because series two is deadlocked at two two two. This is the deciding. This quiz. is the tiebreaker for series two. This is the two. tiebreaker for series yes. two. Yes. But who's the ultimate quiz champion then? Well, let's find out after this. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, li- the, li- the listeners can add that. Yeah, they can decide. Yeah, just get someone to like just listen to the episode again and tell us what the result no. was because I can't remember. <laughs> uh, it shows how important this is to all of us. So, without further ado, can, first of all, gentlemen, can I hear your brothers, Mr. Emblo? Christian? No, we certainly did not. Oh, it was his first date. <laughs> Mr. Bolton? My absolute pleasure, welcome to my humble boo. <laughs> and Mr. Kendall? Oh, fuck off. I'm Clive Owen. There you go. Very good. <laughs> good buzzers, Mental. good buzzers. <laughs> okay. Right, so, question number one. What? This is a very, very tough one. Um, and so I hope Seth isn't looking at the answers. Who who is the John Lewis manager? Oh God! Do you mean the actor? No. What's the character's name? Jesus Christ! He introduces. He does introduce himself. That's not, uh, not Jesus Christ. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> just Seth saying Jesus Christ. Yeah. The Scottish fellow. Is someone just gonna have a someone just gonna have a punt at it? A shot in the dark, I think. Yeah. <laughs> no idea. No idea. We're gonna have to concede. It, it's Chris Edwards. It's Richard. No points for anyone. All right. Okay, question number two. How many years guarantee is there on the Sony Bravia TV? Fucking hell. Jesus Christ, Danny. Oh, Jack. Three years. No, nope. anyone else want to guess? I'll have a go. Five years. Five years. Yes. yes. Of course it's I know that because I know okay. that most TVs have a five year guarantee. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking two years. Right, okay. I promise they get easier. Question number three. What breed of dog did a poo on Darren's shoes? James? Great Dane. Great Dane, was indeed, a great, uh, yes. That's a bit, that's the level, Danny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just name okay. dogs. Name dogs. Yeah. Stench. <laughs> Question number four. How old is Henry Millican meant to be in the new Byron? Fishtoo? Thirty-six? Correct. Yeah. Hang on a minute. I remember that one because I remember thinking. Yeah, Question number five. 30s is the fact. <laughs> what, what is the name of the firm that Trey works for? Oh, oh. oh fucking hell. I, I was, uh, it's, um, no, it's gone. I had it earlier in my head, but it's gone. Okay. I'll just no. take the next answer. No. Anyone? No. Oh, wait. Cooper Stockwell. Joyce. Correct. Yes. Oh, oh, look at that. Great. I pulled it out. And I bet you remember Joyce because it's also a member of the Smiths, isn't it? 
No, I was thinking, <laughs> I remember the, the boxer Joe Joyce, ah. Stockwell the area, yeah. and who's Cooper and who's Webb? I was going to yeah. say, yeah. back to Cooper again. Right. So, yeah. I was actually thinking it earlier, I was thinking, how could I link them in my mind? <laughs> really my so did you expect that to be in the quiz, that question? I did. Nice. Yeah. To be fair, There's I There's a question I'm expecting one. to be in See, the I was quiz listening well. through, I was watching through and I was thinking what could be quiz questions, but yeah, none of these. None of these Can I tell you something else as well? Certainly didn't think I think you should probably take a point off me, Danny, because I really quickly looked at my notes and saw that that was You know that's why it appeared to be like out of that's nowhere. That's fine, you get a point for making the note. And for making the effort. Well, in that I case, did, I'm I did make the effort on my I've document got, right now. We've got loads of notes, we can all do that. We yeah. did make the effort. Okay. <laughs> question, question number six. Which festive tune of Barry and Darren uh, singing, singing just before Darren's firing is confirmed by Barry? <laughs> But, is it? Is it? Uh, uh, I, I can't remember. Uh, Boney M, Mary's boy child. No, no, oh, that's the office. That's yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Oh, it's, in, uh, it's the most mediocre Christmas tune you can think of. Yeah. Very mediocre. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember. I'm it. seeing the scene because he takes his coat off, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When the, before the BT mistletoe yeah. wine. Correct. Oh, yeah. that's it. Mr. Seems a bit mediocre. Yes. Oh. I feel a bit guilty. I feel, I feel like I should have a point deducted. I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't. Yeah. No, we'll just let you. If you win, we'll just. It'll take the shine off it. Yeah. Which will be nice. <laughs> <laughs> just we'll leave it. Question number seven. This is a two pointer for you've got to name three people. So who is appearing in Andy's charity single? Who are the bunch oh. of saddos? And it's quite, actually quite unfair because <laughs> one of these people is actually quite a cool guy. Fuck off. Yeah. Craig Charles. He obviously Craig he's Charles, a cool yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah. And Sam Fox. And also... Jake Goody's mum. Jake Goody's mum, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Jake Goody's mum. So, yeah. They were really laying into Jake Goody this episode, weren't they? I thought Craig Charles is way above those those people. Sure, yeah. he might have had a bit of a down... Like, no, yeah, at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, any, but, <laughs> now I Jake Goody's mum, isn't he? Yeah. Unless you happen to be in Margate, he's, <laughs> he's not as popular as you Jake Goody's mum. Yeah. So I think, yeah, two... So a point for Jack there. Unfortunately, Seth, I can't give you a point because you only need one. You need two for a point. That's fair. That's so, fair. Yeah, That's a day special. Okay, question number eight. What does Darren have for lunch during his lunch break at the uh, car phone warehouse? Fillet of fish. Correct. Uh, or fillet of fish. Fillet okay. of fish. So it could, not, it could not be much more tense here. Seth's on three, James is on two, Jack is on two. How many so, questions have you got left? I've only got one question left. Oh. Nine. What is the registration mark of Maggie's 2CV? Registration, yeah, like the what, number plate. Yeah, the yeah. What's what? what's the first letter of the number plate? V. No. Seth, do you want to have a go? What? C. Jack. R. No. Okay. <laughs> Who's closest? So, so to Seth, Seth wins. Seth, Seth wins the quiz. I can't, the, all of those guesses are so far out. <laughs> it was a D reg. A D reg. And, and you should know, and, and also you should know it wouldn't be R or anything because I don't know. My cars. <laughs> because, yeah, because basically that tells you it's from the eighties. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Should have known. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And two, they stopped making right. two CVs in nineteen eighty-seven. So, so, so should have had a point taken away. Like, so that would mean two all. No, I think it should. <laughs> I think it should be two all. No, I do. We take away Seth's first point. I do think. I do. No, 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 no. It should be two all. And Danny, you should come up with another question yes, to, as a, for a tiebreaker between right, me right. and James to really settle this. And Jack, I can't live with this. <laughs> I can't live with this feeling of guilt. If I go home on this, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm not sleeping tonight. Yeah. But then, but then, but then, if James gets the point, then he's level with you. No, no, no. no, no. no, no we're, we're saying oh, we deduct okay, one okay. point okay. off me. You're not going to have your point. So that means you're all on two points. Then. Yeah. Oh shit. Three. So it's just all three of us 
one yeah. last question. Fastest finger first. Make it an easy one, so we can really like you know fastest finger first it. Yeah, come on, Danny. Well, don't yeah. worry, don't feel the pressure because we can always pause and you find them on the, yeah. Have a yeah, look yeah. in the book. Yeah. Okay. So well, there's nothing in the book. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. What James Bond film does the estate agent say Maggie's flats like? Moonraker? No. Nope. My absolute pleasure working my humble boots. Uh, uh, Dr. No. No. Uh, <laughs> From Russia with Love. Correct. Hey! Oh, okay, James okay, okay. Yeah. so you basically let James win, but that's well, fine. <laughs> and, 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 and also, you'd already, had, you'd already seen two wrong guesses, which is arguably a bit of a benefit. It's so, are, we, are we happy to let James win? Oh, yeah, Danny, that's fine. Let's keep going on. First time he won the office one as well. Tomorrow. The balance, the universe is rebalanced. It's been a year since we've been here, and now bang, back in where we need can, to can be. Can we say we all okay, won? fine? In a, okay, in yeah. a way. Yeah. <laughs> this has been incredibly We're tight quiz. You know, it's two, two, two. It was two, two, two today. I would say James is the official winner, but you guys, you know, you're all, in a way you're all winners for taking part. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure you won the office one. Yeah. And I think you won extra series one. I just I can't stop winning. I'm this is what this is what yeah. I'm saying. I think that if we but, were adding together all of extras, which I think you did at the end of yeah. the last episode, James was the runaway winner. Do you think that so it's probably the ultimate do think winner? The, yeah. Do you think this is the one bit of the show that we care about more than any of the audience? <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah. like, I don't know. Certainly, Daddy. Yeah. If we didn't have the quiz, Daddy wouldn't even show up. Although I do like, pick up sort of smutterings of resentment about doing the quiz from you, Danny. You don't no, seem I to like be, the, I like you doing do. the quiz. You just te- you're just playing with us. Yeah, we'll tell your face. I possibly made it a little bit too difficult this week. But, you know. No, no there were some questions that were spot on. There was just the first question. Mm. I was thinking, fucking hell, no, none of us are going to get this. But, but you see, to me, the thing about the 2CV, that jumped out at me. Because I, I, I know from the range how old the car is. So he told me it must, she, she must have had one of the last 2CVs ever to have been made in Britain. <laughs> yeah, but no one else thought like that. So we <laughs> absolutely no, no. way. <laughs> I'm going to go now. Cheers, everyone. So that is the, the end of... of of it all, it is. Really, that's so, the last episode of the last of our run of, of podcasting. Yeah, yeah, it is. Although we said that at the end of the office, and we made more. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, but then what are we going to do now? I mean, life's too short. I don't. Think it's so. a very good question. It's one that we get <laughs> after life. A lot. Don't think so. Life's yeah. too short for more podcasts. It's but, a question. You know, <laughs> that's what I thought you were saying. I think life's too short to podcast. Well, I was going to say that, but I thought I'd hang it out. There. <laughs> well, you know, we've, got, we've got the 20th anniversary of extras, which I'm sure will go completely unmarked because it's mostly forgotten now. But is know, that next year? No, it's 2025. To be oh. fair, it's one of those things. We you know we've we've done our two favourite shows, yeah. and you know, never say never. But I think we're both we're all saying that this is the end of it, which is a shame because you know we've built such a great community, and all of our people that listen are really responsive, and they message us quite a lot. They've been chasing this from us for quite a while. So yeah. I've got a, you know, apologies to everybody that's sort of been waiting. We've life gets in the way sometimes, and and uh, yeah, we it's been great to come back and record it, but I can't think we're going to be doing any more for a while. No, we were all, we were almost, we were almost considering not doing this like we could have ended it with with yeah. the series two one but we kind of we felt like two more for the benefit of the listeners like a little christmas present for them give them some closure you know we might as well do them all also you know we want to be a completionist you can't leave it well, yeah, yeah. half open half done so but yeah no it was, it's been really fun and also yeah, exactly as you say it's been fun why why have we done this predominantly we've done it because we've had a right laugh doing yeah, this yeah exactly it's been yeah, great yeah. And we certainly haven't made any money it's nice it. to get Danny out of the house <laughs> 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 no, I'm literally in my house <laughs> what about you Danny the, 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 the question all of the audience really want to know is what's next for Danny because I think I one thing that's come across in this whole show maybe Hollywood and <laughs> one thing that's come across as we've been doing this is that you are 
loved by your public. Right. You're very popular with the with the listeners. Never let down your To be books. honest, one of the main reasons, you know, dear listener, one of the main reasons I wanted to do this podcast was to get Danny some airtime, get him out mm-hmm. there in the public. He's a, a little bit of uh, Carl Pilkington of ours. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right, Danny? Not do you sure, mind that? Not sure quite how to take that. <laughs> if Wernham Blog is going to have a breakout star, we all know it's Danny. Yeah. And me, yeah. Jack, and James are completely happy and comfortable with that. There's no Andy Millman type bitterness about that fact. So how can we... If get Danny out there. So what would you like to if, see, Danny? If there's any well, TV, Big Brother's back. If there's any producers out there or anybody who works on any telly oh. stuff, we'd love to get Danny out there. So oh. get in touch with us and we'll send you his CV. Any newsworthy trollops? Nice timing. There's some fireworks going on outside. It feels like they're just for us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, to celebrate. <laughs> to celebrate, yeah. <laughs> see us out. It feels like it's been bonfire night in Aylesbury for about a month. <laughs> but, um, no, but thank you. <clears throat> But yeah, I wanted to say a big thank you to everybody that's listened. It's, you know, we, like you said, we've been doing it for ourselves to have some fun and, and it's been great for us to do it, but the feedback has been you know, non-stop amazing since the beginning and, and we really have valued all of the feedback that we've had from everybody. So thank you to everybody that's listening. And also the, all the guests we've had. So you know, big thank you to Steve Spears, Ewan McIntosh, Rebecca Gethings, um, Sean Williamson, I almost called him Barry, <laughs> <laughs> and of course Ricky and Steve, you know, yeah. it's been the most amazing experience. I mean, I mean, when we first started the podcast, sitting in your flat, your house, in, in what, 2018, 19? Yeah, 2018. 2018, yeah. and it yeah. was just an idea, I remember James just messaged me one day and said, we've got to try and do a podcast on The Office, and I was like, yeah, all right, we'll, we'll give it a go. And it was a real just microphone in, in a cup kind of operation, still which still is. <laughs> Nothing's changed there at all. Still, there's nothing's changed about the setup of how we record. We never went and we never upgraded the gear or anything like that. I'm mad enough without the gear as well, so... Uh... We just carried on with Jack's <laughs> equipment and it's worked perfectly well. But we never thought then that we'd end up getting Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant interviews. Yeah, that always that, seemed like the, uh, what's it called, the high point. The high point, the, yeah. The, the, the climax. And that's why I was kind of questioning whether or not we should even kind of come back to do this. But like, it's been, again, closure and it, it's, it's been fun to do it mm. and we've kind of done the whole thing now. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's quite sad though, in a way. End of an era. It is an end of an era, yeah. yeah it'd be yeah. nice because it's been like, a, I mean, like last five Five and a half years been pretty bizarre times uh, yeah. at times for everyone. I think yeah, we've we've, we've seen a lot through uh, seen a lot of it, haven't we? Yeah, and pandemic. this has been is pan- it pandemic? <laughs> and this has been like a bit of an anchor at times. I think. I mean, all I was the, all the anchor mate, if anyone is. <laughs> I was living in Spain when we first started it, That's and, true. and then have you ever recorded a podcast from in Spain? Spain? <laughs> yes, I think it seems so weird you dialing in from somewhere else. But back then, that seemed like you know. That seemed like you know the, a new novel thing, whereas now people yeah. do that for job interviews the, and everything. The thing is, as well, it's actually quite difficult to coordinate and organise a four-person podcast, right? I mean, it's not so difficult that you can only do it once a year because when we did the office one, we managed it each week. Once but even week, then, yeah. it's hard, man. Like you, these people that do podcasts now. I mean, ours has always been kind of governed by the length of the show we're talking about, right? So we were yeah. never going to do that many. Yeah. But these people who do podcasts every week. It's insane, the amount of work that must go into it. Do you know what I mean? I, 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 we, I couldn't do that. It's just, it'd be too much. It's yeah, a hard yeah. thing to monetize as well. That's the thing, you need, a, you need to make fi- no money from it. Yeah, you need a financial kind of like imperative mm. to do it. Which, yeah. uh, so, you know, send, well, us, we send, us, send us some money if you like to. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's nice is the vibe of sitting here feels exactly the same as the first one we did. Yeah, mm. like yeah. Five and a half years later, through loads of different changes in all of our lives and our personal lives, etc., it feels exactly the same. Yeah. It just feels like four blokes sitting around chatting a laugh, having talking, a laugh, <laughs> talking <laughs> about some shows we watched twenty years ago. Yeah, and I'm basically a bit sad, really. Basically, yeah. <laughs> basically haven't stopped watching since. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. So yeah, no plans to do any more, but um, never say never. Never and say never. 
yeah and thank you all guys so much for listening thanks so goodbye and in case I don't see you good afternoon good evening and good night <laughs> and then if you, if you could put the Truman Show music after that that'd be good wouldn't it uh, yeah. <laughs>